Shane McMahon pulled out of the head of the ring and assaulted him before the three count. Oh, damn! That Shane McMahon hit the rock right in the face. Control just, like, just like no way out. Control yourself, JR. When Shane screwed the rock. What the hell is this now? What else is going to happen here? What is this?
Chris White and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. In these strange and uncertain times, I hope that you, dear listener, and all your loved ones are keeping safe and well. Apologies for the disruption to the podcast schedule during the last couple of months, but life has sadly gotten in the way for a few of us here. I must reiterate, though, as was said in the February shows, that this podcast is going nowhere and will be continuing for the foreseeable future, and we should be back to a normal schedule uh, moving forward. Uh, from for the month of April. Joining me as we go back and enter the time machine, venturing back to cover March of WWF in 2000 and WrestleMania 2000, we have firstly Bob Colling. Bob, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, and uh, I'm glad to be back on here to talk some good old World Wrestling Federation action. It's always a pleasure. And joining us for the ride, we have Davinda Vargas. How are you doing? Good, sir. Uh, doing well, man. I hope you guys are doing good. Just living the dream in quarantine, as all others are. Yeah, so obviously, uh, real-life events, as you'll be all too aware of, have uh, sort of affected everyone, I guess, in different ways. Uh, but we're all kind of living similar set- situations. But in time machine mode, back in the year 2000, uh, seemingly a much happier place. No global pandemic to worry about. Just a below par WrestleMania, spoiler alert, for my opinions of the show. Um, this edition is going to be slightly different um, because the WWF didn't actually run a pay-per-view during the month of March. WrestleMania was on the 2nd of April, but for the sake of the show, we're just going to be reviewing it here on the March edition of the podcast. So you can call this your March Mania edition of the podcast. Um, but before we do, we do obviously have to talk about the month of March, which is primarily the build to WrestleMania which I think to say was fairly underwhelming, but had quite the chaotic build. We'll start with the build to the main event itself. So it seemed that as we left things back in February, with Big Show defeating The Rock at No Way Out, we had a fairly disappointing WrestleMania main event set with The Big Show challenging Triple H for the WWF Championship. We had Stephanie McMahon aligned with Triple H and Shane McMahon aligned with The Big Show. But on the 9th of March edition of SmackDown, they all worked together. They booked The Rock in two different handicap matches. Uh, Rocky first winning the match quite easily after about two minutes against Saturn and Benoit, but was later in the show defeated by the Dudleys following a 3D through a table. Hunter and Show teamed and booked themselves as a team in a handicap match against Rikishi, picking up the win there. The Rock came out after that match, which was the main event, uh, attacked the heels, but Shane McMahon and a lead pipe cut him off. Hunter, Show, and Shane took turns in beating down Rocky with their finishes and a lead pipe, all standing tall alongside Stephanie McMahon as we went off the air. The following week on Raw, The Rock gave this coalition a chance to drive him out of the WWF for good. He proposed a match in the main event of Raw 
for which he would face the Big Show one-on-one and there could be no interference. If The Rock wins, he's added to that main event of WrestleMania. But if he loses, he'll quit the WWF for good. The Rock said he doesn't need someone like Shane or Stephanie's corner because he has the people. In that main event, Shane was revealed to be a last-minute surprise addition as special guest referee. He was taken out accidentally by Big Show, and following a people's elbow, there was no ref to count the pin. El Herdner ran down, but revived Shane pulled him out of the ring to prevent him counting. Shane then hit Rocky with a chair shot, but then we cut backstage and see a limo arriving. Vince McMahon is here. He steps out of his limo after around three months off WWF TV to a huge ovation. Shane looks stunned at ringside. Vince encounters Hunter backstage and decks him with one punch. The crowd pops huge for that, but it's nothing on the pop that we get when Vince's music hits and he enters the ringside area. Vince takes out Shane with a chair shot, takes the referee shirt and puts it on himself. Rocky hits a rock bottom on the big show and Vince counts the pin and The Rock is going to WrestleMania. Bob, I'll come to you first. Uh, We haven't seen Vince for a long time. Uh, So what did you make of the return of Vince McMahon to WWF TV just a few short weeks before WrestleMania? And uh, what did you make about the way they booked Rock back into the WrestleMania main event? Uh, Well, I mean, it's always good to have Vince on television and, uh, I would feel I feel like for the last three or four months, um, you know, the McMahon Helmsy regime or, you know, coalition, as you said, um, kind of dominated television in terms of getting the momentum and stuff like that. Sometimes they would kind of get shafted, uh, but for the most part, they controlled it. So it's good to have, you know, someone to bounce off of. And Vince McMahon as a character is, is a huge asset to, you know, any program, uh, you know, and leading into WrestleMania, I think you need him as part of it. As for The Rock and, and how he got inserted back in, uh, seemed pretty predictable. I mean, anytime you have a situation where, you know, if I lose this match, then I'm gone forever, you, you tend to know the outcome, especially if it's going to be on a Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, I think everybody knows that The Rock is going to be in the main event at WrestleMania. I think everyone. I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I know for myself, <clears throat> ideally, it should have been Rock and Triple H, keep it simple, and just move on from it. Uh, so, I mean, creatively, maybe it was a little simplistic and bland, but uh, to get The Rock in there finally uh, was definitely the right decision, and, and bringing Vince back in is just going to add interest to your television. Yeah, I uh, I think um, WWF TV's better with Vince McMahon on it he may have been um I know Rory said in the past on this show that maybe Vince's act was not stale that seems too harsh but too little character progression and when there is character progression with Vince it's hard to believe it because he's had two years plus of being Vince McMahon evil boss from hell against Stone Cold Steve Austin um so having him come back in a way against Shane and sort of stake his claim um, for the way he wants things to be within the WWF. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it was smart to have Vince off TV for a little while, while Austin was gone in particular, because it allowed a sort of break, because if you've got Austin and Vince around, then there's always going to be a dynamic between them that will probably dominate the show. 
But uh, when you are just left without either of them, um, I think there's a little hole towards the top of the card in terms of like on on the mic performers. Not that like The Rock, for example, isn't an excellent promo because of course he is, but he's a very different type of promo to Vince McMahon. Um, both excellent in their own right. Um, so I did uh, enjoy Vince being back on my TV screen. Uh, what about you, uh, Davinda? What did you make of sort of the return of Vince and also? Uh, the way we got Rock back into the Mania main event? Um, a few things. Uh, it should have been, I agree with uh, Bob, you know, it should have been Rock and Triple H from the beginning. Um, that being said, I I didn't like the way, after No Way Out, it just seemed like Big Show and Triple H were just bullying The Rock. Shouldn't you guys be worrying about yourselves if that's what the WrestleMania main event is? Like, why are you teaming with this guy against somebody who in storyline perspective is irrelevant to the main event right now they just kept giving rock chances after chances i think the execution of all this writing to get the rock in there was lazy i feel it should have been a different way because if you're looking from the outside in you're looking at it like okay the main event is big show and triple h why do they keep worrying about the rock um there should have been a different way to bring the rock in but Big Show being a contender, I feel, has been through sheer luck, also storyline-wise, because if you look back at the Royal Rumble, he technically won if you look at The Rock's feet, right? So he he won by default, so his dominance wasn't shown there. When you get to No Way Out, he won that match because Shane interfered, also needed the help. Didn't get the clean win. Now I just feel like he... The, the dominance is is gone for me. I can't buy Big Show as as a main eventer at WrestleMania because of the way he's won these past matches to get him into WrestleMania. Uh, Vince being brought back is a new layer, and it's a welcomed layer. I, I like him on the mic. I like him as a face, actually. As good as he is as a heel, I like him as a face. It's another layer, and it's good good fun on the mic, as everybody stated. Um and it and it should be interesting uh come mania but the whole bringing the rock in i felt should be done a different way yeah i think um i don't know necessarily that the way they've gone about the main event up until this point as we as we stand with things with wrestlemania on the 13th of march um is is better than if you just have the the rock go over it, no way out, and you can actually build to like a a, a really sort of serious um, singles match between Rock and Hunter at Mania. Um, I think this whole dynamic is has been a bit convoluted for me, um, but obviously it's you're not the once you're in this situation where Big Show's won and you're heading towards the apparent singles match between show and hunter it's obvious that rock's going to find his way back into the match somehow um so i mean once you're in that situation and you've booked yourself into that corner i suppose this is the only way to do it um and it was fine and having uh, it tie in with the return of vince mcmahon as, as well was uh, also uh, really nice for me and a, a big positive So it did look like we were heading to WrestleMania with a triple threat match booked in our main event. Well, 
actually, we, we weren't because we only have to fast forward one week uh, to the 20th of March edition of Monday Night Raw. Early in the show, during a promo segment, Vince McMahon had an idea. He said that he knows WrestleMania is just two short weeks away, but why not have the main event tonight? Sorry? Uh, He booked Triple H to defend his WWF title against the Big Show and The Rock in the main event. Hunter agreed on the condition that this match will never take place again. He says this match does not happen at WrestleMania and it's a one-time deal. It was all agreed to and the WrestleMania main event was instead set for Raw with no build just announced on TV on the night. So in that main event, which was absolutely chaotic, show had Shane in his corner, Hunter was with Steph, and The Rock had Vince. The finisher saw Hunter lay Vince out before hitting Big Show with a chair shot, pinning him with a pedigree to retain his title. Rocky chased Shane through the crowd, and Hunter was heading up the ring to leave, uh, clutching his newly defended belt, when he was interrupted by the arrival of Linda McMahon, who had an announcement for us. Linda congratulated Triple H on his victory, but wondered what the re- what the main event of WrestleMania should be, while noting that Triple H, The Rock, and Big Show all did deserve to be there. She said that maybe a special ingredient should be added for someone who's a deserving individual whose dream could come true if only for one night, and she would be the McMahon to make the final decision. Linda then announced that the main event of WrestleMania 2000 will be a fatal four-way elimination match where Triple H will defend his title against The Big Show, The Rock, and Mick Foley. The crowd went wild as Foley came through the curtain and attacked Hunter. He laid Hunter out, posed with the WWF title, and finally, 13 days away from the show, we actually have our WrestleMania main event, which should have been set back in January with the Royal Rumble. Uh, Bob, I'll come to you again uh, first. What do you uh, think about everything that happened on the 20th of uh, March, the decision to throw out the uh, the apparent main event on the show with, with no build, and then the new main event and the return of Mick Foley after his apparent retirement at No Way Out. Well, it essentially tossed out uh, about two or three months' worth of storytelling uh, because really they have seemingly no idea what they wanted to do or maybe things had changed. Uh so, so this kind of like eliminates the purpose of the Royal Rumble, because usually it should be one on one, you know, Big Show, Triple H. You eliminate that, and then you eliminate the emotional retirement of uh, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack from No Way Out, uh, to bring him into this spot. You know, sure he gets a great reaction and stuff like that, but the last thing you want to have happen is, you know, if this were to maybe not be just a one off and have him continue on. You know, you don't want him to end up in like Terry Funk territory where he retires on a Saturday and he's back on a Monday type of situation. Uh, but, you know, it's better than Triple H Big Show. So having a four way match, um, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It, probably not ideal, I guess. But, um, you know, fully getting his you know main event run for a, a WrestleMania is a feel good moment. Uh, but again, I, I'm not really a proponent for erasing storytelling from, you know, a couple months prior. It kind of defeats the purpose of it and just shows you shows you that the writing team uh, really doesn't have a grasp on where they wanted to end up here and are just kind of mad dashing to put something together for the main event. 
which has really been the only thing that has gotten attention on television for the most part. What did you uh, make of this? Um, yeah, I gotta agree. The the No Way Out thing. I was in tears with No Way Out when he was walking back and he, you know, Mick Foley kills it with the face expressions and looking out into the crowd. He got a tear running down the the cheek, and um, it just kind of said, "You put us through that for nothing." You know, I'm pretty sure the 10, 11 year olds, you know, judging by the reaction, I'm pretty sure they they love it that Mick Foley's back. And you know, as a as a human being, I'm glad he gets to have his mania mania main event. Excuse me, but um, yeah, it's it's all for it. It's like it's a total left turn in all of these turns that we've been having in the build itself. Uh, it should it just should have been Rock and Triple H. Um, this is miles better than you know Triple H and Big Show. And and you know what, with the triple with tri- triple threat match, Big Show taking the fall. It adds to my uh, point about Big Show. It just, uh, I don't buy it anymore. I just don't. But McFoley coming back, uh, a good reaction, uh, kind of an exciting main event, considering the whole McMahon in every corner and uh, first time it's a multi-man main event for the title. Uh, McFoley finally getting his his spot, you know. But it just uh, made me feel bad about No Way Out and the the work that they put into No Way Out, the Cactus Jack return, and the match itself, and even even the fall for me, that big bump from the Hell in the Cell, it makes me feel like he probably took that for nothing, only to come back for the main event after he he lost that spot. But uh, I get mixed feelings about it, but, you know, good for him. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Devinda. Like, the way he came back like it's a fantastic moment and having him in the match was a a very pleasant surprise like the like i didn't expect that um i thought after the uh rock big show match on the 13th that was the main event we were going to have a triple threat match but having him in there as a mick foley fan obviously very pleased for him as you said like he's got he's getting his main event that's what he wants and on a human level very pleased for him but no Way Out was one of my favorite matches like of the last few years, really. Um, it was so good. And it ha- and I think what took it to that level was the the emotion. And this undercuts it completely because um, it's, it's the next pay-per-view. Like he's, <laughs> he retires at one pay-per-view and then he's in the main event of the very next pay-per-view. This isn't like the following year's WrestleMania where he's coming out of retirement for one last shot. It's been like at this stage, what, like three weeks, four weeks. Um, (laughs) It's, it's, we didn't even, I mean, we missed him, but not, I mean, we, we, we didn't even have time to miss him. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's, it's like, I, I'm like, in terms of the product I'm seeing before my eyes right now, heading into WrestleMania is improved with Mick Foley on it. I'm glad he gets his WrestleMania main event. And I think the match will be better with him in it. But as a fan, I'm just very disappointed about the way the importance and the emotional significance of the main event of no way out has been undercut. Um, And uh, it's, it is disappointing as, as, as a Mick Foley fan and, I think Bob, you're right to say like you don't want him in that sort of <laughs> Terry Funk um, 
retired, unretired spot. Like we know he's hurt. We know he's hurting. Um, he wants a WrestleMania main event, and that was how they could coax him back for one last time. Apparently, then, then so be it. But as a fan of the of the guy, as 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 a fan of the Mick Foley, the person, and Mick Foley, the wrestler, like get out while you can, kind of thing. Like before your body forces you to get out while you can still walk, and like you don't need to be taking bumps like that off the cell and all of that anymore. Um, at this stage in your career, um, he's got nothing else left to achieve, especially after featuring in a WrestleMania main event. So if if it is really one last time, then I'm on board, but it, it better damn be one last time. If if I can ask you guys some fantasy booking here, if if uh, if this was his last dance, if he was, you know, Mania was his last one, would you guys have rather him win at No Way Out and then lose at Mania to retire? Or would that emotional moment have been lost? Or do you think it would have been an even more emotional moment had he won at No Way Out? Uh, personally, I, I think if you're going to have him in the match, then, then have him win at No Way Out. That's the way I would do it. Um, but obviously they don't want anyone beating Triple H um, <laughs> at the moment, which is, is, is fine if they're trying to book a strong, credible heel champion going into Mania. But definitely as a fan, if you, if you know that you are going to, if you want him in that match at WrestleMania, you either don't set the retirement step at no way out to go back on it a couple of weeks later, or you have him win that match. Or you just change the step so you have the kind of scenario where it's like, I'm I'm done after my next loss, kind of thing. Like I that, like that. So you you can have him win that match, but you go into every match knowing that he could he could be done at any point. So then when he does drop the belt at Mania, you've got the emotion of no way out spilling out of the WrestleMania main event. But that's just my opinion. I, I don't know, Bob, if you uh, disagree or agree. Yeah, you see, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. I really, for fantasy booking, I need like at least two or three weeks' notice so I can jot down. Some <laughs> uh, or, or would you have rather just taken out the retirement step from No Way Out and continue until this? So, I mean, you really kind of have to go before even No Way Out. I feel so. If you're gonna do it, I feel like with the Royal Rumble, you can't do it. I would get rid of the street fight step and just have that be a match, which. Really wouldn't have been great, probably, but that that's a really good street fight. Uh, maybe have the No Way Out match be the street fight. And then, so like you have maybe, so Foley losing, if you were to lose twice there, that would maybe kind of defeat the purpose of Mania. Because what I was thinking is you could do Triple H, Foley, uh, Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania uh, with the retirement step. Because Foley maybe being desperate and he wants to have that and he wants to win the championship there. You know, I, you know, I'll put my career online, that type of thing. But again, I hate doing that because it usually kind of t- uh, tips you off. Uh, I, I don't like the idea of putting a stipulation with any career in any match ever, like I've said a few times already. Uh, so I, I probably would have just not have done the retirement stipulation in No Way Out. <clears throat> Still have them lose, but not have them have that stipulation. Um and realistically, coming into WrestleMania 16, I think there'd be more 
potential of him winning if it's not like, hey, this is my last shot or, hey, I might lose this. Uh, there might be more believability that Foley could win because, I mean, going into this, uh, as soon as it's announced, like I'm, I'm immediately not thinking Big Show or Foley is going to win this to begin with. Um, so leaving it essentially down to Triple H and Rock. Uh, but there might be more of an inkling that he'll actually win it uh, doing that way. I Personally, I think that in terms of the whole Foley Triple H involvement ran its course come no way out given the circumstances. I don't think Big Show should be involved in this whatsoever. Uh, but really going into Mania, I feel you're kind of dragging it out for Foley um, and just kind of grasping at straws at that point. I don't think the heat is at the ultimate max there. So I, I again, rebooking it, I'm just, I'm just doing Triple H rock. Have, uh, Rock win at No Way Out against Big Show, uh, and figure something out later for Big Show because really at this point, uh, Big Show really hasn't been nailing it for his uh, heel persona, and arguably totally has been with you. has totally. been has been rather kind of lost even since he came into the company. Uh, you know his partnership with Undertaker last summer was not that great. You know realistically mm-hmm. his his brief run as champion was. Mm-hmm. Kind of just because a guy got hit with a car, so um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think it really works. I don't need any inv- uh, invitation to have a moan about the Big Show winning the title back at Survivor Series last year and how crazy and illogical and bad that decision was. That was so stupid. <laughs> so if you're if you're going to be rebooking the last couple of months, I'm going to need you to go back to Survivor Series at the very least and uh, change change that title. Uh, it, meaning that he and give it to Kane instead on that night who was far far more logical as a as the 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 choice uh, considering the circumstances but uh, listeners to the show will have heard me rant about that many a time by this stage but yeah yes, the big I show remember that episode <laughs> the big show did not deserve to be in the main event scene in terms of like output um, and 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 definitely not in terms of how he was being booked at the time, which was the the, the comedy um, feud with, uh, well, everything with his dad's funeral and all of that. Like, and then the next week he was the champion, and then with the belt underwhelming. Since then, underwhelming, and he feels very forced into this main event. Um, so he's big. He's just big. That's he's big. And that's all, I mean, no disrespect, but that's all the reason. And uh, before we move on, I just want to give a huge amount of credit to Triple H's heel work. Him and Stephanie uh, were so hateable, and it was so great. And, I mean, if, if you're working off a big show, you're going to be the better heel anyway. But um, having Rock and Vince and Mick Foley, who are such great faces uh, when they need to be, um, Triple H had a, immense heel work. I loved him in the build. Not a good build, but his work was great. What did you make of... I know we've touched on it with Vince's return, but what do you make of this sort of alignment between Vince and The Rock? So we've obviously got... Linda is now (laughs) representing Foley because she (laughs) decided to. There's no... Because... because. Yeah, there's no more logic or thought behind that than just she is. Shane and Show, and then obviously Stephanie and Hunter... But the the one that intrigues me the most is ahead of WrestleMania is what the hell's going on with Vince and Rock? Like, <laughs> I know 
I know Vince I helped believe him out, it's, but... it's just more. I, I just believe it's more. We have common em- enemy. You hate them. I hate them. So we're gonna try to take them down together. I think it's nothing more than that. I don't think Rock even like cares. <laughs> I mean, he's just like, all right, fine. But you know, his Rock is focused with getting the title, and Vince is just focused on you know getting revenge on Triple H and Stephanie for what they did in December and taking over and what they did to the company. And I, I just, it's a common, con, common enemy thing to me. Well, any anything to add on, on Vince and Rock's relationship at this stage? I, I think Vince has pretty much nailed it there to be fair, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like it. And like you said before with uh, Rory had in the past saying that uh, Vince as a heel had kind of run its course. I think Vince as a baby face, has legs to it, and you attach him with the Rock. I mean, you have him with this feud with Triple H to end the year with you know the the marriage and all that stuff. I mean, there is a good tie-in, and I th- it is justifiable to have him team up with the Rock to uh, combat Triple H and, and that whole partnership there. So for me, it works, and I and I would have you know I would hope that uh, they would kind of play off that moving forward. Because I think, like I said, Vince McMahon as a baby face isn't something they've really ventured into long term. And uh, I think it would be an interesting dynamic to kind of keep that alive for a little while. I mean, your your top guy, Steve Austin's out for a while. So having a different avenue to go into would be would be ideal. Because the last thing I would want to see is The Rock essentially becoming a, I don't want to say a B, but, you know, like a 1A to the Austin... McMahon thing and have it be a Rock McMahon feud or whatever. Like, I think that would kind of be bland and played out. So uh, when I when I saw it, I was like, this could work for me for for maybe the remainder of the year or however long they want to go with it. So before we get to our review of WrestleMania itself, um, there's a couple of minor things. Um, minor in in terms of uh, well, the importance of WWF. Seem to give them during the the month of March in the build to Mania, uh, as previously mentioned. Um, I mean, the whole month was very much built around sort of the main event of the show and Hunter, Steph, Shane, and Show kind of running things against The Rock and then Vince's comeback. It was it was the as you'd expect, but it was the driving force of WWF television. But obviously, we have the rest of the card to contend with. So um, the first thing I'd like to this, to do is uh, ov- it took place on the 28th of February, but uh, neither of you uh, were on, have been on a WWF show since then. Uh, Bob, any thoughts or comments to make on the Mae Young giving birth to a hand uh, before we get on to what happened in March? Would you like to address address that or would you like to just leave it where it is? I mean, it's the type of stuff that just makes me completely embarrassed to even be talking about this uh, form of entertainment. It's just uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the whole segment is just Vince McMahon humor. And, uh, you know, credit to Jim Ross for, for trying to maybe justify any of it. It's just a complete embarrassment and probably one of the worst things uh, that I've ever seen, and it's and that's saying something. I mean, you would have thought that Vince Russo produced this or something, but that guy is uh, clear of of this just disgusting segment for them to do that. So 
Uh, I hated it, and uh, I hope to never have to talk about <laughs> that ever again. Davinda, what did you make of it? Any comment from you before we move on to May's March? I just want to put it out there that I like to call him Hand Henry. We spoke about this over the past few weeks already. Hand Henry. Uh, it was it was just shit. It was shit. I it, I I don't even know what to say about it. Just I uh, let's just move on. I I have I don't know what to say. I don't know. It just it was terrible. It was stupid. It was terrible. And you know what? To have like Mula and the Stooges in the delivery room. What do you even say to that? It's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, I think um, the less said, the better. But I do like to give everyone an opportunity to to vent about what is quite possibly the worst thing I've ever seen the WWF put on television. Um, so after the famous birth of her son, the the hand, she had May Young had quite the month in March. So the first rule of the month. Uh, Mark Henry, looking down forlornly at his own hands, asked May backstage whose hand she had given birth to. Uh, clearly drawing reference to the, the colour of the hand, not matching the colour of Mark Henry, because that is WWF humour in the year 2000. That is WWF humour always, I guess. Um, Mark later faced Devon Dudley, picking up a quick win after a power slam in literally about a minute. Um, but after the match, the Dudleys laid Henry out with a 3D. Bubba grabbed May by the hair. Devon brought a table in the ring. And the crowd was going nuts at this stage uh, before anything had even happened. Bubba then sat on the top rope. Devon lifted May up. And Bubba hit a powerbomb off the top rope, putting May through the table. Bubba did an amazing job after the act, uh, sitting there with a crazed look on his face. But this was absolutely nothing, and I'm not even going to pause for comment. It sounds ridiculous. They put a woman of May's age, I don't know how, what, 77, I think they said, year old woman, through a table off the top rope. But it's not even worth commenting on when compared to what followed the following week on Raw. The Dudleys went a step further, this time wheeling May up the ramp, powerboring her off the stage through a table on the floor below. Bubba again, incredible job after the fact, staring forward with this crazed stare. May taken away in an ambulance. May Young consecutive week powerbombed, one off the top rope, one off the stage, through tables by Bubba A. Dudley. Devinda, what did you uh, make of these two bumps that May Young took and uh, just these angles in general? What, what do you make of it all? Um, in the nicest way possible, these were the best moments of this whole story. Um, for a few reasons that I, that I, after the initial shock, like, holy shit, she's old and she got put through a table. Um, kudos to Bubba for not, if I did it, if I was in the show, I would seriously be sweating, hoping that she's okay, you know? Um, but, uh, immense credit goes to Mae Young because I've heard things about, and I know we, we talked a lot of shit about Mae Young when her winning the title and so old and still wrestling still in the business but that's one tough lady 70 something years old almost hitting 80 taking a power bomb off the stage through a table that's one tough lady and i i read that she um 
I read that she went up to Bubba afterwards, and he was just so worried, you know, are you okay? But she's like, put me down like one of the boys next time. Like, it was like, holy shit, like, she is one tough lady. I can't say that enough. Um, I've heard stories about her career that she was always a tough woman, and I guess in some weird way, this gives our generation a chance to look at how tough she is because once you strip all the layers down, she's a 70-something-year-old woman allowing herself to be put through a table. And uh, I, I give her respect for that. Bob, what did you make of uh, these two angles? Well, the, uh, the the powerbomb off the stage was kind of shocking. Uh, I mean, like, kind of, you got to give her credit for, for taking it. I don't know why they're really doing it because bef- I mean, go- going into this event, you would think there's some kind of tag match with Mark Henry and Mae Young taking on the Dudley Boys or something at mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. Uh, at WrestleMania. Like, I, the whole TV part of this makes absolutely no sense to me because uh, I don't know what you're building to. You know, I, is, how is Mae Young going to get her heat back on the Deli Boys or, or Mark Henry for that matter? I mean, I know he, I guess he beat Devon or whatever, but uh, just for a, for a TV feud, though, it's just not. It's like the hand situation is a joke. This is impressive, although questionable. People's like, why would you do that to such an old woman? Uh, but I mean, I guess if you're trying to make memorable TV, that's what you, you got to do. So. I mean, I guess in that regard, it worked. But to me, there's no real substance to it. Yeah, I, I, this is this is booking a moment, not booking a storyline. Like they've they've done this for the sake of the 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 isolated image, I suppose, that of her being powerbombed off the stage for a table. It doesn't necessarily make sense in storyline. It doesn't necessarily play into anything in storyline. Um, but she was willing and and able to take these bumps and they thought it was a good idea that would get people talking and I guess they were right um, I think Bubba, Bubba deserves huge credit for being able to do this not once but twice completely safely um, like and and not hurting her and just taking the full bump right on his backside <laughs> she, she, so she doesn't come anywhere near the floor and uh, I mean she's only a, a little old woman but uh, I mean the risk has got to be enormous on this, and it has to be said, it's quite irresponsible of the company, regardless of how willing or how much she wants to do something like this. It's so irresponsible of the WWF to do this not once, but twice to someone of her age, her age when so much could go wrong. That could be so terrible. Um, to do it twice is just audacious, and they got very lucky that nothing went wrong. Um, but I think the fact that nothing went wrong means that Bubba does deserve a lot of credit um, for for doing it in that way, but it's still crazy to even do something like this. Um, as moments, they're like spectacular, not necessarily in a good way, but like just they are spectacular, outstanding moments, but absolute craziness to book this kind of thing on TV when the risks are so high. And with that, we move on to our review of WrestleMania 2000. Um, I don't suppose either of you will have the results of the show to hand to run through before uh, we get into our review. Uh, I do. I do have the results. Thank you very much. You're such a professional. Please, would you kindly take us through the results? Sure thing. We got uh, the big boss man in Bull Buchanan defeating the Godfather in D'Lo Brown. 
Hardcore Holly won the WF Hardcore Championship in a Hardcore Battle Royal, which had a 15-minute time limit. TNA, consisting of Test and Albert, defeated Head Cheese, which was Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Edge and Christian won the WWF Tag Team Championships in a triangle ladder match, defeating the Dudley Boys, who were the champions, and the Hardy Boys. Terry Runnels defeated the Cat in a cat fight match, where Val Venus was the special guest referee. China teamed up with Too Cool to defeat the Radicals in a six-person intergender tag match. Chris Benoit won the Intercontinental Championship when he defeated champion Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. And then Chris Jericho defeated Chris Benoit and champion Kurt Angle to win the European Championship in a two-fall triple threat match for the WWF Intercontinental Championship and WWF European Championship. Kane teamed with Rikishi to defeat Road Dog and X-Pac. And in your main event, the WWF World Champion Triple H defeated The Rock, Mick Foley, and Big Show to retain the championship. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, Devinda, what did you make of WrestleMania? Huh. Well, uh, as, as a whole, I, I was... Uh, Damn, I don't know how to put this. Uh, it it was not the best. It was not the worst, but it was not the best. Uh, there was like no singles matches. There were no singles matches. Maybe just the the stupid cat fight, but it wasn't. Um, I, I I wasn't a huge fan of it. But what I was a huge fan of was individually. A lot of these guys were debuting, and it, and it, the performances were good. The booking was weird, but the performances were good. Uh, they all um, did a good job in debuting and, and uh, putting some spotlight on their characters. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll go into every match as we go along, but I just feel it was a good um, WrestleMania for some of the guys to debut with. Uh, they, they worked hard uh, the past few months. A lot of guys shined on TV, and they got their spots well-deserved. And th- there are gems in here. There are, but... um. It was weird. The Fatal 4-Way, you know, a lot of people feel a certain way about it, and I'm going to agree with them. Uh, a lot of these tag matches were just, you know, let's get the guys on the card. You know, the Hardcore Battle Royal was, you know, another story. But, um, yeah, and um, it, as a whole, it, it wasn't great. But, uh, you know, there are some spots that I did like, and we'll get into that. Yeah, I it, when it came to the main event, I was like, it, that was when it hit, hit me. I was like, there isn't. A single singles wrestling match on this WrestleMania. I can't believe it, but it happened. Uh, Bob, what did you make of this show? Uh, this is a show where it's greatly benefited by having the the uh, pay per view name WrestleMania. I don't know how many people would really watch this show or go out of, go out of their way to watch this show if it wasn't because it said WrestleMania, similar to like SummerSlam and Royal Rumble and stuff like that. Sometimes the name of the marquee uh, event can, can uh, kind of get you through because for the most part, this show, you know, watching raw every week, you're going into this and you're just like, well, I know, I know what at the end of the day I'm getting, but what am I getting leading into that? You really have no idea uh, just exactly what's going into this. Um, you know, sure. Like, like Devinder said, there's some things in here that may surprise you, 
but really the build into this show is is one of the weaker ones for WrestleMania. I think the end result though is the like the best that you could have got out of it. And a lot of that has to do with the talent that the WWF has at this time. Uh, you know, having guys like the Radicals coming in like really shores up your thing. If you don't have guys like that or Angle and and Benoit and Jericho, you know, you go back, you can go back a year, and if they're in the same situation they are right here, this is a disastrous show. Like, there's just nothing that's going to justify watching this show. So I think a lot of guys on the undercard deserve some credit. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously get into it uh, match by match here, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I think they kind of did the best they could. Yeah, I thought this show is pretty underwhelming. Um, I think in terms of the roster, we've we've come an incredible distance since last year's WrestleMania. And I'd have to go back and watch it because I haven't watched that show since last year. But I'm not sure that this was better. Um, I It had certainly had a, a better match with the... the uh, the triangle ladder match that was certainly better than anything that was on last year's WrestleMania, but the rosters improved immensely, but I'm not necessarily sure that we got a better show because of it. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we necessarily got a, a worse show. Um, but I think when we've added so many different people in like the radicals, then you've got Jericho angle. You've also got like, this tag division that is so much more established than it was last year. And I, I'm sure Edge Christian, the Hardy's particular been around before last year's WrestleMania, but like with, with they're, they're in such a position of prominence and, and we've also got the Dudleys here now. And I, I think there are a couple of decent matches on here, but nothing that felt like a WrestleMania to me apart from the ladder match. And even the main event, which was fine. Um, it was nearly 40 minutes and it was worse than your like typical WWF pay-per-view main event walk-in brawl style. After the, the, the last fall of that match, I mean, went nearly 20 minutes on its own um, between The Rock and Triple H. And I'm not sure that was as good as like matches we've seen um, across the last sort of 18 months in this position where WWF will have sort of a mediocre level pay-per-view and then the main event will come in it will be a walking brawl normally with Steve Austin involved and it will steal the show and you'll go home happy and you'll look back and think oh I really enjoyed that even though the pay-per-view wasn't that great I don't think this main event did that for me um I was quite disappointed um overall um but maybe as happens so often as we go through the show match by match I'll f- sort of find more gems and you'll unearth them for me with your wonderful analysis and uh, I'll actually feel slightly more positive but let's see the event begins with Lillian Garcia singing the American National Anthem before we get a video package focused on some Wrestlemania history as well as the main event of the show pretty much all about the McMahons uh, our opening match is The Godfather and D'Lo Brown versus Bulby Cannon and the Big Boss Man. Ice-T did a rap uh, on the way to the ring for Godfather and D'Lo, who came out with the hose. Uh, the Godfather, obviously. Uh, Brown hit a nice back kick on Bulby, uh, Bull to get us started. Godfather and Boss Man tagged in with Godfather hitting a bunch of clotheslines. We've got a back kick by Godfather, which gets a two count. D'Lo whips Buchanan in, and the Bull jumped to the top rope and hit a back elbow in a nice spot. Bossman and Bull hit a double punch on Brown as they isolated him, following a nice axe kick from Bull. 
but the crowd seems pretty dead considering, considering this is an opening match on a WrestleMania. The double team on D'Lo got confused for a few minutes and D'Lo comes back. Ball gets crotched on the top and D'Lo hits a hurricane runner off the top. We get a hot tag to the Godfather. A corner home trade charge on the boss man hits before he goes up to the top, but ball knocks him off and D'Lo hits a drop kick on boss man. We get a sidewalk slam by the boss man before Buchanan hits a leg drop off the top and covers D'Lo for the win after around nine minutes in this opener. Bob, what did you make of this tag team match? Uh, this was a pretty disappointing opener, uh, largely because of the guys involved. I mean, Godfather's uh, character th- that to this point right now is probably long past its expiration date. It's pretty played out. Uh, and then you add D'Lo, and that's just a way of trying to mask it by adding more people to it. It's like the New World Order. You know, if we add 12 members to it, maybe it'll you know make more sense or something or get over more. It's just not going to work. Uh, the, yeah, the crowd was dead for this though. Um, I like the the closing sequence. I thought Bossman hitting the you know coming off the ropes and hitting the Bossman slam, and then Bull doing his really impressive leg drop was was a good way of finishing it off. Uh, realistically, it's not a bad match, but if you're trying to get WrestleMania off to a hot start, this is just not the match to do it. I don't know if this should have even been on the main card. <clears throat> Probably would have been better suited as maybe like a Sunday Night Heat match or something. Uh, like I know they did like an interview segment on there or a segment with the the tag teams there. So you probably could just incorporate that in there and just try to get something more well-received. You know, I might have put Angle Benoit Jericho here just to kind of really start off the, the show stronger. But, uh, yeah, a, a rather really – I thought this was a really random way to open the show, and it, it didn't really deliver for me. Devinda, over to you. Yeah, I think this is one of the, one of the matches that uh, just proves that match placement is very, very important. Um, this belongs on TV somewhere. Uh, good workers, you know, like um, Bob said, Godfather's character is kind of, you know, over it. Uh, Bo Buchanan has that leg drop going for him, and Boss Man is a, you know, very knowledgeable veteran that I'm sure is a general in the ring and can take care of all the guys. But match placement is very important. And, um, you know, having that triple threat match that Bob uh, mentioned i never thought of it but that would have been a much better opener because it's wrestlemania people are so excited and it's wrestlemania you know i can't stress that enough even if it doesn't feel like it looking at the card like if you start off with a hot match i believe that would have you know changed the pace for the whole night this match should have been after maybe the latter match just to give everybody a chance to breathe you know the guys get a spot on the card and everybody you know doesn't have to give so much energy. I feel like maybe even before the cameras started rolling, they had so much energy, and then they're given this match, and it kind of dies them down. Uh, this is what uh, what has been called a cocktail match here on this podcast. Um, good workers, but I was disappointed. Yeah, I, I thought this was this is sort of like a a well worked, absolutely fine TV tag match, really. Um, I enjoyed spots and like you both highlighted the closing sequence with the leg drop from a ball was, was nice, but as a 10 minute opener on a WrestleMania, I was finding myself bored and I don't want to find myself bored 10 minutes into my first WrestleMania match of the night. Um, It's slightly underwhelming. And I think you're right to highlight the importance of match placement, because if this had come slightly later in the card and, 
as you rightly suggest, Bob, um, the triple threat match comes now. Um, I'd probably feel a lot more positive about both of those things because I've got a match I was excited about right out of the gate. Um, but um, yeah, not to to be to sound too harsh on this match because it was it was fine. I, I think they all worked hard. They put together a decent little tag match and. Uh, Nothing, nothing particularly went wrong. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't, it wasn't bad even. Um, but uh, not the way I'd have kicked off my WrestleMania with a slow-paced tag with a heel win. Moving on, we have the Hardcore Battle Royal for the WWF Hardcore title. So the rules are 15-minute time limit, 13 men in the match. Um, I didn't expect this to be the case going in, but it turns out it was. You had to pin the champion to become the champion for that moment and whoever held the title at the end of the 15 minutes left the match as champion overall um so this was absolute carnage and 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 at at points offensive in terms of so you can only win the belt um by pinning the champion so there's i think there's 10 title changes in the 15 minutes and you can only ever remember win the belt by pinning that last champion. But guys are just brawling with each other all over the place. Like storyline wise, if you can pin anyone at any point and, and win the belt, like go for it, like do that kind of thing. But when you can only pin that last champion, it doesn't make any sense for two guys who aren't the champion to just be brawling with each other over in a corner, not even paying attention to who is the champion at a, at a given moment. But um, yeah, absolute carnage, 13 men, 15 minutes, 10 pinfalls. I can't break it down spot for spot because we'll be here all evening. So I'll go through the 10 title changes for you now. Um, so Crash Holly started as the champion and Taz pinned him after a suplex. Viscera pinned Taz after a power slam. Uh, that was at the one minute mark. So within a minute of the match, we'd had two title changes. Funaki pinned Viscera after a flying shoulder bro- block by Bradshaw taking advantage. That was in the eighth minute of the match. We had a long old stretch where Viscera was the champion. Rodney then pinned Funaki about 20 seconds later after throwing him into a wall. Uh, Joey, adds, Joey Abs pinned Rodney after a suplex and then Thrasher pinned Joey Abs following a clothesline. Pete Gass then pinned Thrasher after hitting him with a fire extinguisher. Taz got the belt back, pinning Pete Gass after a T-bone suplex. Crash Holly then retained his title uh, that he started the match with, pinning Taz after hitting him with a cookie sheet. And at the 15-minute mark, literally as the match ended, Hardcore Holly pinned Crash Holly after hitting him with a candy jar, it's listed as. Hardcore Holly uh, left with the title. Uh, The finish was a bit of a mess because it looked like Sort of Tim White stopped counting the pin and the time kind of ran out at the same time. Crash went to leave with the belt, but the ref then took it off him, gave it to Hardcore Holly, and Hardcore Holly was announced as the champion. So he is, uh, he is, um, it's canon that he left the match as champion and his, his he did win the belt at the end there, even though it looked a bit of a mess. Uh, Davinda, what did you make of this match and this, this, just match type being on a WrestleMania. Uh, I see. I see it being on a WrestleMania, but I, I I see the name of the the match if that makes any sense. Hardcore Battle Royal. I see that being on a WrestleMania. All the title match, all the title changes that you just mentioned, 
the only good thing that comes out of this match is that all those men can say they won a championship at WrestleMania. I'm cheering for Funaki here. But um, it was a mess. It was just a bunch of just a bunch of guys hitting each other with weapons. A lot of those people were just randomly put in there. I know they were chasing the whole hardcore championship 24-7. Taz, as a character, uh, you know, belonged in there. But another thing about the build, it was just confusing because Taz was gunning for the Intercontinental Championship at one point during the build. And then out of nowhere, he's going for the hardcore championship. Um, but nevertheless, I was bored after five minutes. Uh, I would have rather that this match go 10. Um, but it, that's about it for me. Like um, Another way of getting everybody on the card, uh, uh, some of those guys deserve better. But uh, yeah, I was, I was over this match. Bob, what did you make of this match? Uh, I mean, it's it's a quick 15 minutes, but it doesn't mean that it has to go 15 minutes. And it's only quick because of all the mindless weapon shots and all that stuff. It's just really kind of useless and pointless at the end of the day. Uh, I felt really bad for Taz. I mean, that guy is the only person really, maybe aside from Crash, uh, that got a positive reaction. I mean, when he won the, the bell within the first minute, the fans popped pretty good for it. And then he loses the viscera within about 58 seconds on the floor, which is a which is a joke. I mean, the crowd was like, "Are you serious already? This guy's defeated." And like, uh, like mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, Taz is, was feuding with Kurt Angle, choked him out, beat him, whatever at Royal Rumble. Since this is a show full of multi-man matches, why not just incorporate him with Angle, Benoit, and Jericho? He fits that mold. He fits with those three guys. His style especially works with Angle and Benoit in terms of suplexes and stuff like that. He just is thrown in here with the Hardcore Championship, really solidifying where they see him. I mean, you go back to January, you would have thought Taz was going to be a guy on a mission. Yeah, his size is really a major thing against him uh, compared to everybody else, but I I think him being added to the Angle-Benoit-Jericho match would have been much better. Uh, The finish being messed up was kind of humorous. But, uh, you know, for this to go 15 minutes on WrestleMania, I don't know if I would have put this on WrestleMania. uh, Because really, aside from Taz, Crash, and Hardcore Holly, all those other guys, maybe APA. But for the most part, the rest of those guys, they don't need to be on WrestleMania. They don't need to be in this spot. This could have been another thing you put on heat. You know, there's a trend here going on with this show. It includes the next match. Where it's like, I'm starting to feel like this is Starcade 98. Like, this is some kind of screw... a cruel joke that I'm watching Saturday night and, uh, and you know, not the biggest pay-per-view of the year for the company. So to, to start this pay-per-view off to me, uh, has just not been executed very well whatsoever. The card placement for this has been, has been really disappointing and lackluster. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. I just feel like the pacing of this event, they're like, it's almost like a ranking of importance of the match instead of the pacing of the event itself. As far as the card placement, you're placing these matches in terms of importance. I feel instead of saying, how's the night going to go? If we put the, if we put this match over here, if we switch this over, uh, this is where, you know, just like everybody's been talking about the, the match placement is very important. Yeah. I, I think it's just, this type of match is is fine in in places, but like, I, 
I think it was you, Davinda, who said five minutes in you were bored. And, and I, I agree. It was like five minutes in, I was like, oh, this is going to go 10 more minutes. Like, I really, I, I just like, it would have been if I just didn't hold my interest at all. Um, I was like ready for it to be over two minutes in. I was like, yeah, it's just just weapon shots, weapon shots, weapon shots. Weapon shots. I walk in around weapon shots. Just a slow weapon shots. Like I, I just, I wasn't into it at all. Um, and I really could have done with not knowing it was going to be fifteen minutes. I know it has to, given the sort of format of the match dictates that there has to be an end point. But I just like, oh, it's going to be fifteen long minutes to try and get through this and then uh, I, like there was in the 15 minutes there was just like this huge stretch of like seven and a half minutes with no pinfalls so you don't even have like the the sort of chaos of like quick fire title changes and sort of the uncertainty of oh my god where's it going to end up next if that's exciting to you you didn't even get that for the vast majority of the match um and then when you did it was Rodney, Joey Abs, Frusher, and Pete Gas, and it's like I don't, I just don't care. Like I just don't care about these guys hitting each other with stuff, throwing each other into a wall, or hitting a clothesline and pinning each other for the hardcore title on a WrestleMania in the second match of the night in a match that I know is going to go 15 minutes. Like I just, I didn't need it, and uh, I think talking about match placement, I would have placed this match not on the card, and I agree with you uh, very much, Bob, that it's a damn shame what's been happening to Taz this year. After pretty much immediately after the Rumble, um, he definitely would have been a welcome addition to that match um, with the triple threat match for the for the two mid card titles, and I'd have very much liked to have seen that be a four way. Um, but instead, we got this, he, and the and the crowd, like the crowd, did pop a bit for Taz at the start, but then they just didn't because they were immediately told not to. They were immediately shown that they were silly for caring about Taz because he was immediately beaten, and that was that. All the all the weapon hits, and um, I think it was you, Chris, that mentioned. You know, you it's two guys brawling, but you're really supposed to be going after the champion. It reminded me of like the first Royal Rumbles where it's just a bunch of guys in the corner and they're just choking each other. And then you see one trying to eliminate somebody and then another wrestler comes in and hits the guy that's trying to do the elimination instead of logically helping him with the elimination. That's what I felt like I was watching with this hardcore battle royal. Like, why are you hitting each other? You're supposed to be going after the champion. And I didn't even know that there was seven minutes without a pinfall. You could have shaved those off easily and made it ten minutes. It was just it was just too much crap. Moving on, let's see if we can pick this show up a bit. We have Al Snow and Steve Blackman versus Test and Albert, who are with Trish Stratus. Trish was shown walking backstage, which naturally got a huge pop. She said it was time to show WrestleMania some TNA. So TNA uh, double teamed Snow early as Test hit a big boot. Snow came back with a clothesline on Albert, follow- followed by a kick to the head, which also gets two. Uh, Blackman tagged in, tripped up Albert with a sweep kick. Snow dumped Test to the floor, and they double teamed Albert with a double clothesline. The crowd weren't really reacting to anything in this match apart from Trish. 
Blackman hit a headbutt off the middle ropes and the faces worked over Albert, which begs the question, why are the faces working over a hill? The crowd was already dead before they tried that idea, but then they went ahead and did it for a prolonged period. Eventually, Snow tagged in uh, and uh, Albert... Uh, sorry, Snow tagged in Blackman and Albert tagged in Test. Test hit a snowball... Test hit a sidewalk slam on Snow, and the ref counted the fall, even though he'd just tagged in Blackman and Blackman was legal. Uh, they hit a double choke slam on Snow, and Blackman saved the pin. Uh, JR said that he could tell their styles were conflicting, and this match was bowling shoe ugly, which is his way of telling us that it sucks and he knows it. Snow hits a moonsault off the middle rope onto Albert on the floor, and the crowd did actually pop for that. Snow hits the leg drop off the top while Blackman had Test on his knee. Albert saved the pin. They then double-team Blackman and Test gets a splash for two. Blackman comes back with a kick to Albert's face while Test fights with Snow on the floor. Meanwhile, Chester the cheesed guy was following Trish around. Blackman was distracted by this before Albert hit a gorilla press and Test came off the top with a flying elbow for the pin around the seven-minute mark. Bob, what did you make of this tag match? Uh, this was just bad. This is just kind of becoming a joke at this point. Uh, it felt like like almost filler, and I kind of interpreted it as like almost an extended squash for for Test and Albert. And I feel bad for Test because, uh, you know, what five months ago he was kind of involved in a major angle about to get married to the boss's daughter, and now he's wrestling against a team called Head Cheese on WrestleMania. Uh, that's a qu- quite a fall from grace. And I want to point out that. Uh, that's that Al Snow is a capable wrestler, and I don't think that uh, you know ever since he came back from his ECW run that people are really aware. Similar to Taz, you know, kind of being in the hardcore division, Al Snow is more than capable of putting on a good match. He just isn't usually put in an environment to do so. Um, so you know, another thing I took from this is kind of similar to like Bull and, and Boss Man. I feel like sometimes WrestleMania kind of gives you a hint as to what they want to do. Uh, at least for a few months after the show. And, you know, I'm wondering if maybe Test and Albert are going to be kind of like the new, you know, heel tag team that you got to worry about or something. Because I think I think there is potential with Test and Albert. I know potential only gets you so far, but uh, I think Test being in a tag team with a guy like Albert uh, is going is gonna to work for them. And I think that the tag team division needs a big man team. You know, I know the Dully Boys are kind of big, but they don't really work a big man style. They're more brawlers. Tess and Albert having that stuff, you know, the big power moves could work really well, you know, against like the Hardy Boys or Edge and Christian, stuff like that. So I'm interested to see where uh, TNA uh, go moving forward. Uh, but for this match, it was it was really bad. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. And the whole head cheese thing, uh, I mean, I, I don't find that funny at all. And it's just kind of, again, kind of cringy to, to watch it. Tavinda, over to you. Um, I agree with Al, with uh, your sentiments about Al Snow. I've always felt like he's such, like, a, that guy just knows how to work. and knows how to work well. He did the best he could with this position and the head cheese thing. And at times, the whole, you know, the, all the segments on Raw, at times they were funny because it's like he was trying to get him to have a good time and, but Steve Blackman is like a no-nonsense type of guy, and I liked him staying that way. Uh, TNA definitely have potential. I, I like the look of them, and, you know, that's after I look at Trish. I even like them as a tag team. 
they uh, they're two big guys. Test has a really cool elbow off the top rope, but at the same time, it's like um, definite mirror image. Uh, sorry, excuse me, not mirror image, but a total one eighty from where he was, you know, a few months ago. And you know, going back, I feel like he never had that match with Test that I feel like he should have. You know, you took my girlfriend. I should have a match with you. It turned more into Vince, but that's besides the point. But um, this was a this was a match that it just didn't work. Even though all the guys tried their best, the crowd didn't connect. But uh, that being said, though, the whole uh, backbreaker leg drop combo that Blackman and Snow have are pretty cool. And then also the cool moment was the. Gorilla press into the elbow drop. Those were cool moments for me. I enjoyed seeing that. Some tag team moves, even though both teams are kind of thrown together. Um, but yeah, other than that, this was a nothing match for me. Yeah, I, I mean, when the crowd doesn't care for it, I don't care for it. And JR's trashing it openly on commentary. Um, you know, it's pretty bad. Um, not, not a great match, but I do agree with the sentiment of both of you really that I see potential with the team of TNA as, as someone that could be a big man team for the, uh, the three teams we're about to see coming up next in the ladder match to sort of go in there and and bump around and work off of. And uh, I think you could get some, some decent matches out of them where you have a team like the Hardys bouncing off a big team like uh, test and, and Albert. So I I think that could work. they're not like a lost cause by any means, but this was definitely not a good outing um, for the team here. Um, probably a large part because it's the third match on the show and we've really had not not had a lot to sink our teeth into to this stage. So frustrations as a fan of boiling over watching this, watching this show, wondering, is it worth my time? Was it worth my money? So on and so forth. At this stage, categorically not. Let's see if we can pick things up a bit with the triangle ladder match with the Dudley boys defending their WWF tag team titles against the teams of Edge and Christian and the Hardy boys. So we start things off with lots of fighting on the floor early. Uh, Bubba's working over Jeff on the ring, but Jeff comes back with a corkscrew moonsault. Bubba uh, fights back with a nice full Nelson bomb. Matt's the first to climb to try and get to the belts, but Christian stops him. Matt throws a ladder in Bubba's face, and Jeff attacks Bubba too. Devon prevents uh, Christian getting involved by throwing a ladder into him. Matt hits an elbow drop on Devon, and Jeff hits a DDT on Bubba. Jeff goes for a 450, but Bubba moves, and Jeff goes crashing onto a ladder. Bubba, Bubba goes to the top and hits a senton splash on the ladder that had Jeff under it. That was nasty. Christian sets up a ladder by the ropes, climbs to the top and hits a crossbody off the top of the ladder onto Bubba and Matt onto the floor, to which the crowd chants, holy shit. Jeff's climbing a ladder in the ring and Edge hits a spear off the top. Edge climbs the ladder. Matt catches him from behind and gives him a powerbomb. Matt goes up, so Devon slams Matt off. Christian threw a ladder into Devon's back. Bubba sets up a ladder beside Christian, who's climbing the ladder. Um, Bubba hits a Bubba cutter off the top of the ladder, and the Hardys come off the ladders with leg drop splash combos onto Bubba. This match is a mile a minute. Edge recovers to throw Jeff out onto the floor. 
Uh, Edge and Christian put a ladder in the corner while Devon's on the other side. They hit a double suplex off the top of the ladder. Three ladders are set up so all six guys climb them. Jeff and Christian get shoved from their ladder all the way over the top to the floor where they go crashing down with nothing to break their fall. They could really have done with a table there to cushion the blow of the floor a little bit. Bubba gets shoved off and bounces back. Uh, Edge and Matt are crotched on the top rope while Devon falls to the side and all six guys are down. Dudley sandwich Christian between ladders and they hit a 3D on Edge. They go for some tables. Uh, they put two ladders together and then a third across the former platform. The Hardys are back up and more tables are set up around. Bubba throws Matt into the steps and clears out the Spanish announce table. Out on the floor, Jeff runs the rail and jumps onto Bubba, but Bubba's ready for him, throwing a ladder into his face. Bubba tries to set Jeff up on the table, and Christian attacks with a ring bell to the head. Jeff puts Bubba on the table, and Jeff climbs the ladder. Jeff hits a swanson bomb off the giant ladder onto Bubba on the table. JR calls it one of the most high-risk moves that any of us have ever seen. In the ring, Matt hits a twist of fate on Devon. Christian climbs one side while Matt climbs the other and the platform that the Dudleys made is still there. Edge sneaks up behind Matt when they reach the top, pushes Matt uh, and sends Matt crashing through a table underneath. Edge and Christian are on the table. They reach up, grab the uh, tag titles after 22 minutes of spots and craziness. Devinda, what did you make of this match and what do you make of our new tag team champions? Uh, well, when I was sitting there watching it, I was like, it's about damn time. Uh, the crowd finally wakes up. I finally wake up watching this. Everything that you mentioned just now, I know is going to be replayed for years and years and years. This is, um, I talked about guys debuting, and these were six hungry, hungry guys, three great teams. Um, and they were just like, let's go and make some noise. Let's go and make them notice us. This was a crazy, crazy match. A lot of unsafe stuff going on. And that's saying something because, you know, a lot of times, like you said, they could add a table to break their fall. And um, like that 450, I, I just felt Jeff's shins break. And uh, the swanton off the ladder. Um, even the powerbomb from the announce table, I felt was like a great, great spot. There's just a million great spots. Um, I was actually expecting the Hardys to win, to tell you the truth. Um, Edge and Christian are, are, are a great team. I was just expecting the Hardys. Um, just an unexpected result for me, but I felt like this match was an amazing, amazing match. Bob, what did you make of it? Well, I uh, completely agree about the Hardys. I mean, I think Edge and Christian are probably the least likely team you would think to win this. Because even on TV, like they were still dealing with Terry. There wasn't really a whole lot of you know focus with them for the tag titles or anything like that, so I don't mind it though. I mean, I, I like a surprise finish or a surprise ending, and this could really help them moving forward to kind of elevate themselves even further in the tag ranks as the champions. Uh, it's a great match. I mean, if you were to flip this whole show, so if you were to start off with this and then maybe have the three other matches following it, um. You know, maybe we would be having a better tune about it because this is the one where you it warms you up, it gets you going, it gets you fired up. Have the cool down, uh, you know, moments there with a few matches because it, that would need to happen after this type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way, there's no other thing. I mean, there's so many dangerous things going on here. You know, your eyes are glued on the television. You want to see what's going to happen next. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a career-defining moment uh, for the three teams. You know, this is something that, you know, who this is the type of thing where you're going to want to see it again and again and again. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, something along these lines happened again down the road. Whether I mean, I know the Edge and Christian Hardy's had a ladder match <clears throat> a few months ago, which was which was great. It was another great match. So uh, maybe this will continue on with, you know, different – formations and uh, different teams involved as well so it's, it's really difficult to mess up a ladder match uh with no no matter who's involved so uh for me this is obviously a match of the night thus far this far i mean there's i can't imagine anything coming close to uh to beating this this great ladder match even for what's left to be talked about yeah uh, just an outstanding match not too much more to say just a lot of risks but they make everything work and it proved how good all of them are um we're a long long way from the tag division of 1998 um uh, yeah and to a degree save the show up until this point like it it was so good that you watch this match and you're willing to completely give them a pass on the first three matches and just think yeah that was incredible this is wrestlemania now i'm in the mood this is like as good as it gets let's keep this momentum going for the rest of the card. What do we have next? Ah. We head straight into a cat fight between Terry Runnels and the cat with Val Venus as the special guest referee. The rules were that you win the match if you throw your opponent out of the ring. Uh, the girls each tried to kiss up to Val before uh, Terry took Cat down. Uh, Val picked her up and she tried to kiss him. Then Cat kissed him. Then Terry threw Cat down with some some hair tosses, and then Cat hit a spear. May's there. She wants to take her top off, but Val stops it. Cat throws Terry out, but Val never saw it. Moolah puts Cat back in. May chases Moolah into the ring. May then kisses Val. Cat throws Terry out again, but Val is again distracted. Moolah pulls Cat out of the ring. She throws Terry back in. Terry wins. This waste of time went two and a half minutes. Sigh. That, that's I've re- I don't know why I've written the word "sigh," but I have, and it sums up my thoughts quite nicely. Bob, uh, what did you make of this uh, cat fight? Uh, this is just a joke. I mean, this is like the the backstage segment uh, that happened prior to this with Cat and Mae Young was just ridiculous. I mean, that's just kind of what the uh, WWF is going for—the whole sex appeal and stuff like that. Um, I don't know why this is on tele- I don't know why this is on WrestleMania. I don't understand it. Uh, maybe it's like to again to kill the crowd after the ladder match, but you know, you go from something so great to something so worthless and pointless. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm old-fashioned, you know. But back in the, the glory years of you know the Hogan era and stuff like that, uh, I don't think we're going to be really dealing with this type of stuff. But Hey, they, I guess they got to get on the card and get paid somehow. But this isn't my my scene. I don't really uh, enjoy it at all. So I thought it was pretty stupid. Uh, Devinda, what did you make of it? Uh, the only thing I thought is that just Val deserved better. And we t- we talk about the build. You know, um, we've spoken already about the build to WrestleMania. You know, there was something going on with Edge and Christian and Terry. And now she ends up here. Uh, it's just like when I spoke about like Rikishi was running with the rock during the build 
or we thought Mark Henry was going to get a tag team partner to go after the tag titles after May Young was put through. The build uh, was so different than what what the end result was, but this end result was just not good. I I just let's just move on. I just felt like Val is a good worker. He's a good wrestler. He just deserved a better spot. Yeah, uh, a waste of time on the card. So. Let's not waste too much more time discussing it on this show. It is what it is. We seem to have one of these every month these these uh, these days, and uh, it doesn't get any easier or any any easier to stomach, really, or any more enjoyable to watch. But it just seems that this is what we are left with at the moment. Um, let's see if we can pick things up again uh, as we have a six-person uh, tag match intergender, as we have two cool and China taking on the Radicals. So we're underway with a nice backbreaker early by Scotty before he tags in China. Eddie responds to this by tagging out. We get a double suplex by China and Grandmaster Sexy. Sexy then hits a body slam on Malenko, who then tags in Eddie. A back suplex to Eddie, but the heels, uh, the heels do some nice heel work. I've written cheated, but I don't know if it's that drastic. Shouts Saturn shoves Sexy off the top. The heels isolate Sexy, uh, turning, taking in turns to tagging and, and until Sexy is able to make the tag to Scotty. Eddie gives Scotty a stun gun, uh, draping him over the top rope. He, he, Eddie taunts and then attacks China, ramming her into the ring post. Sexy gives Eddie a suplex from the inside of the ring to the outside, and Eddie crashes feet first on the floor. Scotty sets up Malenko and Zatan for the worm hits it and hits it on both guys, which pleases the crowd. Eddie comes back in and takes a punch, and China goes after him, but he bails to avoid it. Saturn drops Scotty with a kick and then hits a nice elbow off the top. Eddie goes to the top, and Scotty crotches him. Scotty hits a... Uh, <laughs> Scotty hits a superplex on Eddie before tagging in China. Eddie's able to avoid hitting her again, and she slams Saturn and Malenko, followed by a handspring elbow to both guys. She then hits a double low blow while the ref isn't looking. Eddie decks her with a cheap shot to the head. Uh, she counter she countered a power bomb and hit from Eddie and hits a sloppy power bomb of her own. She whips Eddie into the ropes and goes low on him, following with a power slam and a drop sleeper. China pins Eddie just before the ten minute mark to pick up the win for her team. Davinda, what did you make of this match? And a uh, couple of months in now, what are you making of the use of the Radicals? A uh, huge acquisition from uh, WCW. And uh, here we have Eddie Carrero being pinned by China at WrestleMania. Yeah, huge acquisition. But I think the fans were the only one that thought that or the only ones that knew how good these guys are. All due respect to China and Too Cool, they don't belong. I'm not going to say in the same ring. I'm just going to say in a WrestleMania match um, with guys of these caliber, I think it was, I'm not a WCW watcher, but I think it was Fall Brawl that I did I did the podcast. And we were talking about uh, all the losses these guys were taking. And it's the same one, man. Like, it's, it's not, Jesus, we used to blame WCW, but now we're looking at WWF WrestleMania and it's, Malenko and Saturn and Guerrero taking a loss to a comedy team and you know I don't mean to sound sexist but a woman and and this is just it's not 
I get it that you want to show China as a dominant force, and she is, man. She's she gets through matches, and she's very strong. And I know this this story with Eddie, but this this whole these six people were involved on this, only piggybacking off of the Eddie and China story. I would rather have some type of angle or backstage thing with you know China and Eddie, with China getting her revenge for Eddie being such a pig or something like something like that. But I don't. This is bullshit. Those guys do not deserve to be in a match, a three, three. Uh, what I'm sorry, excuse me, a six-person intergender match. I I can go on and on about this, but I will not because we don't have much time. I just don't feel like this was the right match to book. Jesus, the radicals themselves could have had singles matches across the board and would have lit it up, and we would have we would have been talking much better about this event if that had been the case um i was gonna say something but i totally forgot because i am upset i don't i don't like this match um yeah that that's it for me bob over to you well i mean i'm not as nearly offended uh by this match at all i just wasn't interested in it uh i didn't i found myself really kind of nodding off to be quite honest with you uh, and it really shows you the lack of value that these radicals have. This seemed like a pretty simple way of having the radicals win, and uh, you know to kind of build them up because kind of like with the you know WCW they they had plateaued. They they really weren't going to be going anywhere. And then if you have this situation here where you know you're losing, this is no disrespect to any of these people, but you know to Sky Duhati and Grandmaster Sexy in China, uh, I mean really where's your upswing from there for the immediate future? I mean, I don't think it's very high, uh, especially as a group or as a trio at the very least. Uh, you know, at least Benoit is getting some shine, but he seems to be like the only one that really gets any kind of respect out of the, out of the, out of the bunch, which is to maybe kind of be expected with how WWF kind of treats former WCW talent when they initially come in at least. Uh, but yeah, so, but, you know, this would be a prime example. If, if this was like a normal card of you know having singles matches, I think a China versus Eddie Guerrero match here would serve a much better purpose, you know, and get rid of maybe the TNA head cheese thing. You can do too cool against Guerrero in, in Saturn just to kind of fluff it up a little bit. But uh, as a six person tag, I just, I didn't really care about it. And then the, uh, and having the result be what it was, uh, I just kind of shrugged it off. I mean, there's nothing else you can really do uh, for, for the radicals and stuff like that. So uh, just kind of doesn't really serve a purpose for me and, I just, I, again, I, I didn't really care, which I've been saying a lot about this show and is a shame considering it's, uh, it's WrestleMania. Okay, I think this is a, an average to, to decent tag match, um, mainly about Eddie and China. And I, and I think the fans were into the, the, bit, the, the parts of the match that involved those two. And I think it was successful in furthering that storyline. But furthering a mid-card storyline... Um, doesn't scream WrestleMania match to me. It screams Raw match. Um, and uh, I know we're sort of in the early stages of w- whatever this storyline turns out to be, but I, I do think it would have been much better served as a singles match, as as you suggest, or um, just I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I'd have I don't think I'd have pinned Eddie. Um, that's that's certainly step one of what I'd have changed but yeah it, it felt a bit flat to me the crowd seemed to be more into it than I was but um 
Yeah, certainly not WrestleMania caliber. Um, I'm sorry. I, I now remember what I was going to say. Go for it. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but this just shows that those guys are pros. And, and I give them credit for that. I give them a bunch of respect for saying, okay, if that's the way it's going to go, I'm a professional. Let's go out and have the match and just make the best of it. That's what I wanted to say. Those guys are pros. All six of them are pros, but much more to the radicals because just like I said, I feel like this should have been much more different. But what what other option do they have? I mean, they, they just got there. No, yeah, they don't. But it was a it was a long build that they could have gotten somewhere else. They could it just there's a flux of talent and there's a lot of good talent. So you match them up, you know, and I, I can't fantasy book right now, but they, I mean, yeah, it, it's what we were left with, but it could have been something else. It could have been something, you, you know, you uh, suggested Taz going, going into the triple threat match. That was a yeah. great idea that I've never thought of. And it, it could have been something like that. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, I just, I would have a hard time. Like if I was anybody in that front office or in the backstage and freaking Dean Malenko comes up to me and says, Hey man, I'm not doing the job to China tonight. Uh, I'd be like, you've been here for about two and a half months. You know, it's different with WCW. I mean, they had been there for years, you know, they had some, you know, some level of, of credibility, you know, and, and, and legitimate value. Cause I think you go to WCW right now. I mean, that, uh, that undercard is severely depleted, but if you were to get rid of these guys right now, you know these three guys at least. If they were to be like, "Hey man, I'm, I'm, I can't do this or whatever. This doesn't seem right." At the end of the day, I mean, how much is that really going to hurt the WWF? Nothing. So yeah, they are pros because they they did do the job and they did give that great effort. But you know, I don't know. Is it at the end of the day is it really that big of a deal that they were to lose to China and too cool? I don't know. I mean, it'd, it'd be different. To further if, like, the storyline, yeah, definitely, it makes a lot of sense. I just feel yeah. just like you said with this name WrestleMania being put on this event. It, I mean, to ask to counteract to counterpoint your your uh, your question, would you feel the same way about Taz? You know, they both came. All four of these, five of these guys, excuse me, came at the same time, and you had your feelings about Taz being put into the hardcore match. Would it be the same in that you know perspective? Well, so Taz is being severely misused. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that Malenko, Guerrero, and Saturn are being misused. They're they're working with people in terms of the card of, of where they probably should be right now. I think ben, Benoit for sure is the upper mid card, maybe borderline main event of, right. of the group. And then I think you would go realistically probably Saturn, Guerrero, Malenko in that order. Just from you know, look and, and maybe overall ability, with Guerrero clearly having the charisma to probably catapult everybody. But in terms of like where they are right now, I think that's probably where I would be seeing it. I mean, Guerrero probably being closer to being second than than really anybody I should be saying. But um, but no, I, I don't think they're being misused nearly as much as a guy like Taz. I mean, China and Too Cool are credible acts. China. You know, I hate talking about the past a lot, but, you know, what, six months ago was almost in the main event of SummerSlam and probably should have been realistically for how that was being built up. And I know that you were saying, like, oh, I'm going to lose into a woman or whatever. But, I mean, this girl, this woman is built 
like, holy crap, I wouldn't want to fight China. You know what I mean? And, and the thing with this right here is all of this would be deemed pointless if she were to ever revert to wrestling women. And I've said that uh, previously, you know, stick with men. You know, I, I don't want to see China wrestling Terry Runnels, you know, or the right. cat. I mean, it just wouldn't make any sense. And then anybody, you know, if she were to lose to the cat for Christ's sakes or somebody like that, it would just make, you know, these guys look foolish in that regard. Because how could the cat be China, but not Eddie Guerrero or Paris Sadden or something like that. And too cool, I think, is on the rise. I think that there is a level of popularity there where, uh, you know, they're going to get over, especially with Rikishi. And I think Rikishi is the crutch of that, I want to point out. And I think Rikishi is very, I think they're very kind of dependent on Rikishi to maintain that level. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if Malenko, Guerrero, and Sadden were to win this, it's going to benefit them a lot because they're beating a likable team with Tukul. Cool. China has a level of fandom that I think very few acts can have. And if they were to lose this match, I don't think it hurts them in the long run at all. You know, I, you, the next night, and people are still going to be clapping and cheering for Tool Cool. And if you have them back with Rikishi, I know they're separated on this show, but, you know, if you have them dance with Rikishi, the fans are still going to attract with that. But this loss for the heels is going to be kind of tougher to come back from, uh, you know, to kind of justify them you know, moving forward because you know if you were to go on smackdown next week or something and it's the rock against eddie guerrero or the rock against perry saturn are you going to be like oh well, yeah this is pretty great i mean saturn just lost at wrestlemania to china and too cool mm-hmm. you know, so you're going to know where that where that plays out but instead if they were to win there you can be like mm-hmm. okay yeah this guy has momentum he just you know they just beat a team on the rise but with taz i mean he's in the hardcore division he was ecw world champion a few months ago, a huge amount of steam comes in, chokes out Kurt Angle, and now he's having a feud with you know Mosh and Thrasher and Pete Gas and Viscera over the Hardcore Championship. I don't I don't know if they're really that comparable at the end of the day. Well said and point taken. I just think my argument came. I wasn't looking at the long game, and you do have some good points as far as what this can do for them in the future. But I, I my argument just came from you know the. I just wish they would have had a, a better match. And no disrespect to Tupu and China, just like you said, all very great performers. I just wished they would have had, and you know, just like you said, it was, it, it's just hard to put them anywhere. And I guess this is what we get, you know, but my disapproval was just from the sheer amount of talent that all those men have collectively and individually. Sure, and I can agree with a better match in terms of in-ring opponents. Yes, yes, that's where I was going. Yeah, that that I can agree with. Um, But like you said, I don't know where else realistically you could do this unless you backtrack months ago and and adjust it accordingly. But that's probably a different topic for a a different day because we could spend a long time rebooking WrestleMania 16 with all the talent they have. No, I I think um, it's... Definitely a comparison, and you can see that. But there's, they're at different levels to me. Um, when you look at the radicals, particularly these three, obviously separating Benoit, um, and Taz, that they are at different levels. But I, I, I do think there's a level of misuse, certainly with Taz, and underutilization with these three men. Um, that could be, um. <sighs> I could be potentially damaging and, and could be the fact that these, these three men do end up in the hardcore division sooner rather than later. Um, 
not necessarily all three. And it's, I mean, if you've got Dean Malenko on your roster, well, any of these guys, but if you've got Dean Malenko and you look at that guy and you think, yeah, what we need is just walking brawls and weapon shots, then I don't know what you're doing. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's his sort of like level on the card, not necessarily um, specifically a hardcore wrestler, but like that sort of placement. It wouldn't surprise me if in a few months that's where he ends up. If, if things carry on their current path. But Taz is already there. And what's so notable about Taz is 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 the drop, which was so sudden and so steep um, coming off that debut at the Rumble, uh, which was exceptional. Um, an incredible way to start a show and an incredible, incredible way to debut someone. Beating Kurt Angle, who had been up until that point reasonably protected and... and, and reasonably pushed for a, a debuting mid-card wrestler um certainly highlighted if not pushed and uh, just dismantling him in four minutes um and then to where he is two short months later is quite significant whereas i think the radicals have pretty much been on an even kill um not necessarily always positive but i think they could end up in a situation where we could sit here and say they've been severely misused um, misused, sorry, but um, I don't know that we're there yet. I, I mean, th- not that they they they're serious. It would work necessarily storyline wise, but you could easily have put two of these men as a fourth team in the tag team ladder match, if and then have Eddie v China as a singles match, something like that. Um, but storyline wise, I'm not sure that makes the most sense. But there are ways to use these guys better for sure. But I don't know we're at Taz levels. Yeah, that's just my my take on it. Guerrero and Saturn in that the ladder match. Can you just imagine a top <laughs> of the ladder elbow drop by Saturn or a frog splash? You know, Death Valley driver through a ladder or something. That would have been nuts. Yeah, Jeez, no. it worked for the company at that time. We would have had a better WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think it would have been too difficult when you look at their roster to put on a better WrestleMania. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well. Moving on to our next match, which I, I hope is 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 one of the better matches on the nights. We have a two-full triple threat match for both the Intercontinental and European titles, with Kurt Angle defending both belts against Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. So the first full is just for the Intercontinental title. So we have a nice springboard drop quick by Jericho to put both down on the floor. Baseball slide to Benoit and an Angle drops Jericho onto the steel steps. Angle hits a belly-to-belly on Jericho for two, and Benoit hits a clothesline on Angle. Jericho goes with a black backbreaker on Angle before Jericho goes up top. Benoit knocks him off, and Jericho goes crashing face-first into the Spanish announce table. Benoit follows with some suplexes on mm-hmm. Angle. Jericho hits a dropkick off the middle rope on Angle for two. This is followed up by another backbreaker by Benoit on Jericho, which also gets two. Angle comes in. He hits a suplex for two on Benoit. Jericho hits a bulldog on Angle, which also gets two. And as you can tell by how often I'm saying that gets two, there are a lot of near falls in this match. Angle hits a back suplex on Benoit, which Jericho breaks up with an elbow off the middle rope. Jericho hits a delayed suplex on Angle that leads to Benoit covering for two. Angle hits a nice overhead suplex on Jericho, which also gets two. Benoit covers... (laughs) Benoit covers Jericho for another two count. Kurt comes back with a drop kick to the back of the head. 
Angle puts Jericho into the crossface chicken wing, which is the move that Backlund's taught him. Benoit breaks it up with a drop kick to the head. Benoit throws Angle into the crowd, goes to the top rope and hits the head, but all the way across the ring. He covers Jericho for the pinfall win. And after eight minutes, we have a new intercontinental champion, Chris Benoit. The second fall starts immediately and we're underway for the European belt. Angle hits a suplex on Benoit. Angle goes to the top rope, but Jericho stops him. Jericho goes up. Benoit stops him too. Benoit hits a back suplex off the top on Jericho. Angle recovers, goes for the moonsault, but misses both guys and all three are down. Jericho goes for the walls on Angle. Uh, Benoit breaks up with a clothesline, uh, followed by a knee to the gut of Jericho. Jericho comes back with a spinning heel kick on Benoit and a double powerball on Kurt. Benoit hits the rolling German suplexes on Jericho and Angle breaks up the pin. Benoit hits a dragon suplex, which was brilliant, for two. Jericho charges Benoit, who ducks, and Jericho decks the ref with a forearm to the head. Benoit puts the cross face on Jericho. Jericho taps, but the referee wasn't there to see it. Jericho then puts Benoit in the walls, but this causes Benoit to tap, and of course, the referee doesn't see that either. Angle grabs the title, decks Jericho, um, and the ref wakes up to count, but Benoit breaks it up. Uh, we get a back suplex by Chris Benoit on Angle before Benoit goes up top, missing the headbutt. Jericho hits the line salt on Chris Benoit and gets the pin after nearly six minutes of the second fall, and Chris Benoit is the new European champion. Post-match, Angle is pissed that he didn't get pinned in either fall but loses both his titles. Bob, over to you first. What did you make of this match? Well, I mean, I thought it was was solid, you know, a good match. I mean, the crowd reaction was pretty flat. They didn't seem to be all that into it, which uh, was a you know a trend for the prior matches, aside from my match, where it's justifiable. But I thought this was was pretty good. I, I enjoyed, uh, I, I enjoyed the action part of it, and uh, I thought that Angle losing both championships but not ever being pinned is fabulous. I think that's the right decision to do that because it's just going to give him more ammo for his character, for his mic work. Uh, I, I thought that were, I thought that fit very well for his character uh, and for where they're going with him moving forward. So, you know, is it an all-time classic that maybe you would hope to get from these these, these three guys? Uh, no, it is not an all-time classic. Is it a good undercard match for a WrestleMania that has been filled with just ridiculous matches and overall kind of boring action for the most part? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a pleasant undercard match for uh, a show full of just undercard matches that probably uh, should not have been on the show. So I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Devinda, over to you. Uh, I only, uh, excuse me, I, I totally agree with uh, Bob. Uh, that being said, I hope that it doesn't shine, you know, by default because of all the crap that it's been presented uh, minus, you know, the few matches we spoke about. Uh, these are great workers. And uh, like we spoke about with the Radicals, I'm glad that Chris Benoit has been leading the pack as far as uh, having the spotlight on him and running his own game, doing the solo thing and not being stuck in some, you know, tag team match. Uh, Kurt being protected by not being pinned or submitted was genius. Um, totally agree with Bob. You know, it's going to give him just a bunch of, you know, crap to say on the mic and character development. Um, but it was a good match. I definitely enjoyed, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. 
Um, nothing much to say, but I'm not taking away from anything these performers put forward in this event. Yeah, I, I thought this was a, a good match, but perhaps expected a bit better given the three that were in the match. Um, it was probably the match I was looking forward to the most up there with the ladder match. I mean, I knew the ladder match would be fantastic, um, but this was up there in in terms of what I was looking forward to and perhaps didn't meet my expectations, which is probably my own fault more than anything. Um I was a bit disappointed in the sense the crowd didn't seem very emotionally invested in the match, but I guess it's like it's a WrestleMania we're seven matches in, burnt out a bit with the ladder match. We've got the main event to come a couple of hours into the show. Perhaps it's to be expected you get this kind of reaction. I don't think it's um a fault of any of the guys in the match. Um, I agree with both of you as well. The the two finishes are excellent for both Chris and, uh, well, both Chris's, um, who are the two new champions. Uh, good to see Benoit win, uh, win the Intercontinental title, and uh, but also excellent in a way for Kurt, able to continue his character development, having lost both titles without losing a fall. So yeah, um, definitely a positive, but maybe not the exceptional standout match that a part of me was if not expecting, then at the very least hoping for. Moving on, we have a tag team match, because we haven't had enough of those this evening, with Road Dog and X-Pac, uh, who, who's with Tori, taking on Kane, who's with Paul Bearer, and Rikishi. Rikishi uh, fights with Road Dog in the ring. He hits the stink face early. Tori runs from Kane and bumps into Rikishi. She backs into a turnbuckle. Uh, X-Pac saves her from the stink face. Uh, DX try to run away, but Rikishi and Kane bring them back in. X-Pac works over Rikishi and hits a Bronco Buster in the corner. Brody hits his punch combo plus a, four, plus a forearm to knock Rikishi down. X-Pac tags in and Rikishi no-souls his offense and drops him head first. He tags in Kane, who destroys Rody, hits a boot to the face, and X-Pac with a back body drop. Clothesline sends a dog to the floor and Kane hits a clothesline in the corner. He tells Rikishi to give X-Pac a stink face. Tori saves him. Rikishi decks Road Dog with a kick. Bear threw Tori into the ring and Kane threw her into the turnbuckle. We get a stink face by Rikishi on Tori to a huge pop. Kane gave X-Pac the Tombstone Pyro Driver for the pinfall after four minutes. Davinda, what did you make of this? Uh, not much. I didn't really, I didn't really care for this match. Um, I don't really have anything to say. It's just. It was it was a fine match. It's it, it was okay. Good pops with the stink face and you know the the after the post match angle with uh, Pete Rose, but that that was about it for me. Bob, over to you. This is what we call filler, ladies and gentlemen. This served no purpose for in ring. Uh, the Kane X Pac whole deal has long expired. Any kind of relevance and in, in care. I mean that was a hot mm-hmm. angle to close mm-hmm. out 99, but to have it here in April of 2000 makes absolutely no sense to me. Pretty much just getting Rikishi on the card because he's one of the moreover uh, face acts, uh, I would say, you know, right now. And then, uh, you know, X-Pac needs a partner, so why not put Road Dog, get him a little, a little payday? That's what this is. This is a four-minute filler to get to the real purpose of why it's on here. For the Pete Rose, hey, I'm here to get Tombstone segment, and for ESPN to cover it 
on their programming. That is all that this is for. And uh, yeah, that's, there's no other reason for it. And uh, I did not care for it. I, I perhaps enjoyed this slightly more than, than either of you. Not massively. I do agree that the, the Kane um, Tory expat staff is long past its, uh, well, yeah, long out of fashion and, and, and not really what we need to be seeing. But I mean, for, for as far as the match goes, it was like four minutes. Uh, they, were, they were in, did a couple of good spots, popped the crowd a bit. Tory took a stink face and X-Pac pin, uh, sorry, came pin X-Pac. And I was like, you know what? It ticked the boxes. It was inoffensive. I probably thought it was more of a benefit to the card than maybe probably the majority of the other matches on this show. I'd certainly rather have this on my mania as a four-minute filler than the 10-minute opener, the the hardcore battle royal, the, the, the cat fight, even uh, the six the six-person intergender match, I'd probably rather see this as the four-minute filler, like inoffensive, makes sense in storyline, funny spot to pop the crowd um, and and go home and get out there. Like, not bad, thumbs up from me, but uh, certainly um, unspectacular and, and certainly filler. Moving on, it's time for our main event of WrestleMania 2000. Um we don't get a video package, but the Rock cuts a promo about how he's uh, ready for the match back, uh, backstage after fighting through everything in the last year. He said it's not about McMahon family drama, but instead it's about the WWF Championship. Are you sure about that? Foley's out first with Linda. He's followed by The Big Show and Kane. Rock and Vince are next, and defending heel champion Triple H enters last with Stephanie McMahon. So all four men are in the ring at once. It's a phase of four-way. Uh, but it's elimination rules. Once you're pinned or submitted, you're gone. There's also no disqualification. We're underway. Foley hits a running knee on Hunter in the corner while Show works, works over Rock. Show hits a clothesline on Hunter and Foley. Show used some power moves to knock all the other three guys down. Foley jumps on his back, but Big Show counters by falling back to crush him. Big Show hits a side slam on Rock. He goes for a choke slam on Triple H, but Foley gave him a low blow to try and slow him down. All three guys are teeing off on Big Show with punches to the face, and all three hit clothesline with the Rock's clothesline knocking him down. Foley hits a clothesline on Hunter, sending them both to the floor. Show hits a boot to the face of the Rock. Foley hits Hunter in the ribs with a chair, and Shane grabs Rock's foot. Rock knocks down Shane with a punch. Uh, Foley uses the chair to the back of Show. Rock follows it up with a rock bottom on the big show to eliminate him from the match in less than five minutes. Now, I'll pause here because if not, we're going to have 40 minutes and multiple things to cover uh, by the end of the match. So I'll come to you first, uh, Bob. What did you make of sort of the opening stretch of this match leading to the early elimination of the big show? I mean, predictable. I mean, out of all the guys, big show is the last person that anybody wants to see in there. Uh, the worst worker. So if you're down to a triple threat match with Triple H, Foley, and Rock, there's backstory involving all of them. I know Big Show has a story with Foley dating back to last year's WrestleMania as well. But like I said, nobody cares about the Big Show. Uh, so, I, I mean, I didn't mind uh, the opening sequence here and, and Big Show kind of getting tossed out. I thought that made for a better match moving forward. You know, the, that's probably the best outcome to get if you want to really finish the show strongly. So I, I had no objections to it. Devinder, what did you make of the early Big Show elimination? Yeah, um, I think it's just the company saying, like, you know, we get it. 
we just I feel like they just wanted his face on the marquee and you know the the attraction of a multi-man you know fatal four-way McMahon in every corner deal like he was just there to fill up the spot so they could they can do this whole you know promotion that they were doing uh yeah like he he is the worst worker as bob said you know it, it's more fitting having the three the the other three uh finish the match and uh yeah he, like i said he's just there because he's big you know just the picture the wrestlemania shot the whole big fight feel thing but um it's very I, I was i was fine with him being eliminated i was happy definitely um, makes sense in terms of you're going long there's four people in there get one of them out there out of there early get the worst worker out of there and be able to tell a better story with what you're left with it just felt like a bit of slap in the face that from day one big show in the main event was frustrating they've been building him up since summer uh, not summer i'm sorry survivor series with when they catapulted him into the championship picture um it's not worked and then building him up for months um should have ended at the Rumble um, at the very latest. Didn't, dragged it out, beat The Rock, dragged it out some more. One of the focal points of the build to Mania, and he's gone in less than five minutes. Just felt like a big waste of my time. But I suppose they have to do something with the guy. I just wish it wasn't the Mania main event. Rock and Foley dump Hunter to the floor as the match continues. Uh, the Rock has a ring bell, and Hunter holds Foley up. Hunter moves, uh, and The Rock's... Uh, the Rock hits Foley right in the head with the ring bell. Uh, Hunter throws Rock into the steps and both baby faces are down. Back inside the ring, Foley has his barbed wire 2x4. Two, two uh, Hunter gets it from him and hits Foley in the ribs. Rock goes back to the ring and Triple H counters it. Throws him over the top to the floor. Foley hits a double arm DVT on Triple H. It's Mr. Socko time and Foley gets it out. He applies the mandible claw to Hunter. Uh, Rock grabs the WWF title and hits Triple H in the head. Foley stops the people's elbow by then doing the mandible claw to Rock. Triple H recovers and hits a double low blow to both guys. Rock fights uh, with Hunter while Vince puts a chair in the ring. Rock hits a clothesline on Hunter and then Foley hits a clothesline on Rock uh, for two. Foley hits a double arm DVT on Rock, which also gets two. He charges... Uh, with the chair, but Rock gets his foot up and then hits a DDT on Foley, which also gets a two count after Hunter breaks up the pin. Not sure why anyone would break the pin in this type of match, but there we go. Foley uh, told Hunter that they should work on the Rock together. A running lead lift for Foley on the Rock before they hit a double suplex on him. The action spills outside to the floor again while Rock throws Foley into the steps and Mick takes a bump right on the knees. Hunter works on Rock on the Spanish announce table. Mick goes to the middle rope and jumped off but didn't make the table. And Foley really must have hurt himself there. Hunter tries to break the table with an elbow but it doesn't break. He goes on the railing and drives Rock through the table. Back inside the ring, Hunter gives Mankind a pedigree. Mick kicks out surprisingly. He hits Foley with a vicious chair shot to the head. But Linda was cheering on Mick on the outside. Pedigree on the chair by Hunter ended Mick's night and his career seemingly via pinfall after 20 minutes after being eliminated oh no i'm going to pause there because <laughs> it's another big stretch of match uh bob i'll come to you what did you make of the uh second portion of the match and uh mick foley's elimination well i would say that foley added to the match in a good way 
the various storytelling, you know, the Rock and Sock connection reunion, the tease that he's going to, or not the tease, that, you know, he worked with Triple H for, a, you know, a minute there because, you know, he's maybe a little desperate. He wants to win the championship, so he'll do what he has to do. Uh, so I, I didn't mind his involvement at all uh, in terms of what the action, how it added to the match, I should say. Um, but no real surprise that he ended up losing the mat, you know, getting pinned by a, you know, a couple after a couple of pedigrees. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had no problem with the long stretch of him being involved as well. And considering how long the match ends up being, now it's where we're at. This is the real, this should, we're at the point where it, this is where the main event should have been is rock and triple H and them getting an extended amount of time. So viewing it, I, I really don't have a, a problem with how it's been laid out to this point. What do you make of the match so far, Devinda? Um, damn, that elbow from McFoley that that had to have hurt him. I I felt bad for him that he couldn't even get the distance. Uh, that was some good action. Uh, the teaming up with Triple H was, you know, it is doing what you got to do to get to the uh, to get to the goal at the end. It's you know that Royal Rumble mentality. You know, your enemies can be friends and friends can be enemies type of deal. Um, but it was interesting considering, you know, the past two months they've been trying to tear each other apart. Um, the little kid in me almost wanted Mick Foley to win only because the way Linda McMahon described mm-hmm. what would happen in the event that Foley won. The whole tournament to backlash. The little kid in me saw Mick Foley winning, retiring, and then, you know, Rock winning in backlash. You know, but but that wasn't the case. Um, after the pinfall... Uh, if they were trying to accomplish the same emotion that they got in no way out, they they uh, they were mistaken because it it was uh, it was like okay he's pinned I guess that's it for him so now we get to the real uh, main event which was uh, Rock and Triple H. I have After being eliminated, Foley runs back to the ring, grabs his barbed wire two by four, and nails Triple H in the head with it. Rock calls back to the ring and covers Hunter, but gets two. JR's in full yelling mode at this at this point, selling the action as only he can. Rocky gives Hunter a clothesline and sends him to the floor. They fight up the aisle. Uh, Rock hits a suplex on the concrete and throws Hunter into the middle part of the set. They go back to the ringside area where Rock gives Hunter a backdrop over the railing, which sends Hunter crashing to the floor. Uh, Rock goes after him with the steel steps, but Hunter counters it by using a chair to hit the steps uh, that Rocky was holding. Hunter hits a pile driver on the steel steps. He covers in the ring and Rock kicks out at two. Uh, Rock fights back uh, and Rock fights back and goes for Rock rock bottom, but Hunter stops it. Rock counters a pedigree by giving Hunter a backdrop over the top to the floor and they fight off into the crowd again. They get back to ringside and Rock hits a spine buster on the floor. Uh, Rock hits a suplex on the announce announce table, which breaks and Hunter gives Rock a drop-tile hold onto the ring steps. While this is happening, uh, Vince punches Hunter and then throws him into the ring post, so Shane returns. He attacks Vince. He rams Vince's head into the television monitor. Vince gets up, and hits, and Shane hits him with the monitor again. In the ring, both guys, uh, Rock and Hunter, are laid out on the map. Vince gets up, and he hits Shane with some punches to the head. I say that, but they missed wildly. Shane hits a low blow on Vince and then a hard chair shot to the head and Vince is bleeding bad. Patterson and Briscoe take Vince to the back. Back to the main action and Rock hits a DDT for two. He hits a power slam which also gets two before Hunter comes back with a face buster and a barbed wire shot to the head. Shane sneaks into the ring with a chair. 
Uh, Rocky gave Hunter a slingshot into the corner where Hunter hits Shane. Rock hits a uh, rock bottom and Vince comes running down the aisle looking like the fastest man on the planet. He hits Shane in the head with some punches and Shane takes a bump over the top to the floor. Vince picks up a chair. He lines up to hit Hunter but then turns to the other side and hits the rock in the head with a chair. Stephanie has a shocked look on her face. Vince's face is bloody as as, uh, Hunter covers the rock but the rock kicks out. Vince is furious. He hits the rock again in the head uh, with a very stiff shot and Hunter covers for the win after nearly 37 minutes of our main event. Bob, over to you. Uh, Vince McMahon screwed the rock. He uh, has turned heel again, aligned himself with Triple H. What did you make of it? I hate it. I hate the heel turn. <laughs> it just makes it so much <laughs> more like McMahon-Austin, but now it's McMahon in Rock. I hated it. it. It seemed like the right choice here is just have Rock go over, and then you have Rock and McMahon, two baby faces, right? You get your moment of shine. Terrific, fantastic. The next night, Triple H, you know, continues on. I mean, the Rock Triple H feud here has legs to go for a while. And I thought they did really well with uh, their singles match there that went on for like, what, 17, 20 minutes, whatever it was. I thought they did a really, I thought they did a really good job of, of maintaining interest and in, in the heat involved on it. But to revert back to like kind of what you know, which is again, Vince being a heel and, and kind of feuding with the, uh, the top face, it, it's just, it's just dreadful to me. You know, how can you just repeat the same thing over and over and over again? And then you have this guy apparently aligning with a man that is with his daughter that he never wanted to be with her. They had a brutal match at Armageddon, uh, which caused McMahon to be off television for several months. Uh, So storyline wise, really, for me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, if some guy were to be with my daughter, proceeded to kick my ass. I'm not going to come back a couple months later and then be like, yeah, man, we're cool. I'll uh, support you. You know, no, I'm, that's not how I would really work with it. So what, what is to be expected now for the next year or so? That it's just going to be, you know, The Rock continuing to chase after Triple H off and on and McMahon puts every obstacle in his way. That's the, the same crap that we've seen. So if I see, you know, The Rock coming out in a beer truck or something, I swear to God, I'm going to throw my head against the wall. <laughs> and just say, you know, come up with something new. So it's the same old, same old storyline. It's a good overall match, I would say. Badly timed heel turn. You can do the heel turn some other time to to kind of work with it. But I feel like they pulled that pulled that trigger far, far too early. Because like I said, I think the fans wanted to cheer for Vince ever since his showing in Armageddon against Triple H. That has legs to it. You can revert back to the old Mr. McMahon when Steve Austin were to come back, if he can come back at the end of the day, and go from there. But this had a fresh a fresh feel to it, interest mm-hmm. attached to it. So naturally, let's go back to uh, the old played-out storyline that they've been doing for almost three years. Divinda, what did you make mm-hmm. of the match, and uh, particularly the finish with Vince turning heel? Uh the match was great. The match was good, and and it, and it says something about um, what these men probably feel in the absence of Stone Cold Steve Austin in in terms of uh, carrying the company 
selling tickets, putting those button seats, as they call it. But um, that they can carry pay-per-views, that they can have good matches, excited, exciting matches, exciting main events, and they can hold a WrestleMania main event without <clears throat> without Stone Cold Steve Austin um, being in action. And Undertaker. You know, those are two stars that are missing tonight. And Rock, or excuse me, yeah, Rock and Triple H definitely carried it and carried on a good match. Heel turn was stupid. I mean... When we talk about Foley's retirement lasting like three weeks, Vince's face turn um, lasted a few months. I mean, um, I have a daughter, and I'm never going to like the guy that she marries. I don't care who it is. I'm never going to like him. So it it takes you back to what, I mean, were they cool when they had that crazy street fight? Were they cool when he drugged Stephanie and married her, like, while she was unconscious? Like, what makes you forgive all of that done to your daughter your blood but at the same time vince was the higher power which you know right undertaker kidnapped stephanie and and did all that crap so this is vince being vince i guess in retrospect uh, it doesn't matter what happens to my family i'm gonna go with what's better but uh vince being a face could have gone on to like SummerSlam. they could have done the heel turn at SummerSlam. um rock and triple h i can see a lot of longevity in this feud um, Triple H uh, is a, is a good heel champion, I, but um, but I don't I don't um, I didn't agree with the finish, and uh, I don't know if you guys even noticed that when Rock did all that stuff post match, came back and Rock bottomed everybody, and it almost felt like the Hogan can needs to pose type of mentality, like that was the only way we can get him go, going home happy. Triple H wins, but. At least the fans go home happy. Right. And I think, but I think that's the right thing to do. I don't think you want to end WrestleMania with the heel champion being like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. You know, that's going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. Everybody's going to go home like, what the fuck was that? But at least Rock coming back and Rock's, I mean, it says a lot when your music is the last one playing at WrestleMania and you're not the winner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the heel turn was, ill-advised at best uh, a disaster at worst I, I suppose I mean we all know Vince is a fantastic heel but we 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 don't need the the Vince Austin storyline with Austin taken out and and rock put in we 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 don't need that um we need the different dynamic could have worked and and to be honest I I think this also while sort of treading over the same steps again it does a disservice to Stephanie Triple H Shane, people, well, Shane hasn't been back that long, but Stephanie and Triple H certainly, who have been carrying television for a good number of months now, um, certainly not as effectively as peak Vince um, against the, in, during the peak Austin time, but certainly effectively enough that they warranted not being overshadowed by what I assume is now Vince McMahon being sort of like running the show again. Like uh there was there was more to be taken out of Hunter and Steph sort of running things. Um and it could have worked perfectly with Vince on the opposite side of that dynamic and it's just been cast away after what two weeks of build and two weeks of excitement. 
um, which is a real shame. I I I I thought the match was fine. Um, well, no, it was a good match, but I I don't know that it was at the standard of some of like the WWF style pay per view main event walking brawls that I've seen that Austin typified. Um, and and Hunter's had with Austin in the past. Rock has had with Austin in the past. Both of them have had with Foley in the past. I I, I don't know if it was at that level necessarily. Um, or maybe it was, and then the the finish left such a sour taste in my mouth that I just thought mm-hmm. like so disheartened by the whole thing. I'm not sure, but I I didn't think it was as good as as other matches of this ilk that I've seen the WWF give me on pay-per-view in the last 18 months year. Um, but I'm maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I really disappointed with the storyline, the way that's turned out in the main event. Um, I was like, it's been a, a crazy month, but March, March was a crazy month, but I, I think considering they haven't had Austin, I think WWF have, have done fine so far this year and there's a lot that I can be excited about and then it's never a good feeling when a WrestleMania ends and you think about what you've got coming for the next few months and you're not excited for it. It's not a good place to be as a fan and it's not a good place to have your fans if you're the company. So it was a shame but I don't think it was a terrible match itself. So that brings to a close our review of WrestleMania 16. Um, I'll come to you first, Bob, with your overall thoughts on the show and a score rating out of 10. All right. Well, I wanted to come into this with a uh, positive attitude. And then I find myself saying more and more, uh, this sucked. That was not great. This was mediocre, whatever. So now now my mood has changed. So I appreciate you guys for bringing my mood down here in the last couple of hours. Uh, the latter match is great. Okay, that that is without question the best match on this show. Main event, good. I would say it's a good match. The uh, the three way with uh, Angle, Benoit, Jericho, solid. Maybe a little disappointing, but a solid undercard match. Everything else, for the most part, should not even be on the show. It, it doesn't make any sense. The lack of build for so much of this stuff really hurts the show. At the end of the day that it just makes no sense. The first three matches, for the most part, have no reason to being on WrestleMania. Terry and Cat have no real reason to being on here. Um, you know, the Kane tag team match really has no reason to be on there. And when you're saying that about WrestleMania, it just kind of doesn't sit well. If this was Backlash or something, you know, it's probably not that, you know, that bad. But when you're trying to, you know, maybe rate it against the previous <laughs> WrestleManias leading into this, it's uh, overall probably a disappointment. So I would you could probably mention you could probably watch those previous three matches I mentioned maybe on their own. You don't need to watch the entire WrestleMania 16 show I would say. Uh, so I'm going to give this a four out of a four out of ten. Um, I mean, like I said to start off this, they they did the best they could, uh, but clearly it just wasn't good enough. Uh, so hopefully they can rebound from this experience and uh, hopefully in the next year. Uh, they can put on a better show. But I would say WrestleMania 16, uh, thumbs down for me for the most part. Davinda, what did you make of the show? Overall thoughts and a score out of 10? Um, it just, uh, two matches, three matches made me feel like it was 
like I was watching WrestleMania. Um, all the other stuff could have been anywhere else, or you could have been mixing and matching. It could have been a much better WrestleMania. Um, overall, the show as a whole, I, I wasn't a fan of it. There were spots. There were a lot of spots that I did like, even in the matches that weren't good. You know, I go back to uh, TNA against Head Cheese. Terrible match, but those tag team spots were awesome, for me at least. Like Steve Blackman doing the backbreaker to the leg drop and Albert with the gorilla press to the elbow drop. I thought those were awesome tag team moves that they need to use in the future. Um, as, as bad as this WrestleMania was, it does get me excited for the future. Not only because you got Rock and Triple H going to do a lot of stuff now because there's doesn't make any sense if that feud does not move forward and keep going. But you got to think about Benoit is the Intercontinental Champion. Jericho is the European Champion. Kurt Angle, and I, I forgot to mention this, but he is a star. That guy, just after a few months, the guy's a star, and he kept up with these two ring veterans. Like, Benoit and Jericho are no joke. And Angle kept up with them and was able to, you know, and I, and you know what? Um, this is going to go into my score, but I liked that match uh, maybe a little bit more than you guys. It was passable. It was solid, but I liked it a little more than what I've heard um, out of your opinions. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Um, definitely not a passing grade, but that's how I feel about this WrestleMania. It's the tag match, the triple threat match. Um, the main event and just a few spots, like literally a few spots and all the other matches, all the other, a lot of those matches could have just been thrown out completely or been on raw SmackDown, whatever, um, or not even existed. They shouldn't even booked some of these things thrown together, pointless tag teams, five out of 10. Yeah, I, I think this is a fairly easy one to grade. Um, I, I'm trying to think back to No Way Out, and I obviously loved the main event, and we had the uh, number one contenders tag match. Um, I'm trying to think what else was on that show that I really liked, and what else was on that show that I didn't like. There um, was Angle Jericho, wasn't there? Yes, Angle Jericho. That was that was good, and uh, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Um, but I feel like I liked that show more. I definitely like the Rumble more. Um, so I think this is the worst pay-per-view of the year so far. Um, and it's WrestleMania. Like, it's so disappointing when that happens. WrestleMania was not a good show last year. And they've, they've got a much better roster. Granted, they haven't got Stone Cold Steve Austin. But the main event wasn't the issue with this show. The main event was, was fine. We all know they haven't got Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can't help it when one of your top guys goes down with an injury. That's that's professional wrestling. Like you're not going to give them minus marks for that. Um, their, their roster is so much better than last year. And I don't, I think they under delivered in terms of um, potential for what they could have done this year. They fell way short of the mark compared to last year. And, and, and the state of that roster then, and what they managed to put on, which was not a good show. I think this was worse. I can't remember my scores for the Rumble or No Way Out. I would like to give this a lower rating. I'm certain I didn't give either of those shows a 4 out of 10, and I think that's where I'm going to fall on this one. The, uh, the tag team ladder match was 
was exceptional and will probably be discussed as one of the best matches of this entire calendar year across either of the promotions we uh, any of the promotions we cover i should say um the main event was 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 good um but maybe not even at the caliber of 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 a of a good wwf pay-per-view main event brawl um and i didn't enjoy too much of the show aside from that and there was a lot to hate so i think a four out of ten is is a fair score for me um and it sums up what was a very disappointing wrestlemania and that will do it nicely for the end of our coverage for, of the WWF across March and our review of WrestleMania 16. I'd like to thank firstly uh, Bob for being on the show and your excellent analysis as always. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. And also to you, uh, Devinda, thank you very much for being on the show and uh, break, breaking things down and giving different opinions and making me look at things slightly differently and... Uh, than I did before uh, covering them on the show. It's always it's always fun having you on. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's always great to just sit here and talk wrestling. My girlfriend hates it, so I'm glad I have a couple buddies that I can do it with. Yeah, join the club on that one. <laughs> yeah, free yeah. for free. I, I, uh, I'm slowly I'm slowly getting her in. She she's a she's she's a fan, but sometimes I'm sitting there watching. You can't it even say just... that with a straight face. Get out of here. <laughs> she is a fan. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's I'll like get me video saying proof. I'm a fan of Grey's Anatomy or something. Get out of here. <laughs> I'll um, prove you guys wrong. I'll get I'll get you video proof, and if you see me slip her at twenty, don't don't mind that. Yeah, she'll have a look of somebody who has like a gun to her head, saying that, "Hey, you better freaking say this." It'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, well, I uh, yeah, thank you both for coming on and uh, like uh, bearing with me uh, this month while we've had some uh, like issues with scheduling and stuff. I hope you're both keeping as safe as you possibly can be in in the current climate with everything that's happening in the world. Uh, it's nice to step away from that for a couple of hours, go back in the time machine and talk about some professional wrestling, whether that is good professional wrestling or not. But uh, it's still nice to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. This was a good time. It's nice to get your mind off of it for a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a it's definitely a trying time. Uh, it's it's uh, it's some weird times, but um, just like I said, it's always it's always cool to look back and see how how terrible <laughs> some matches were in this event. Um, but yeah, it's it's always fun to talk to you guys. Um, and to you, listener, thank you very much for listening. Um, it's been fun to do the show, and we will be back in April as as regularly scheduled uh, with full coverage of, of the month for all three promotions for you, um, uh, covering Backlash and uh, the fallout from WrestleMania and uh, the rest of the WWF. So I have been your host, Chris White. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and stay well. And until next time, goodbye.